Hi, this is Bobby Ryan of the Detroit Red Wings, and you are listening to Empty Betters with Nick Mack and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 69 Nice of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, buddy? Doing well. This is just such a, a huge milestone for us. You know, I think but, we might have to quit. Yeah, this is actually it. We're not doing another <laughs> one after this, so we're stopping at 69. But no. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't believe it's been 69 episodes. That's nuts. But yeah, I'm doing good. Can't complain. Just hanging out. Good, good. Getting ready to watch some hockey, some basketball tonight, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's good. My bracket's already fucked, so I'm just rooting. Oh, for yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to toss it across the screen to the guy on our West Coast, Mac Vogel. How are we doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? I'm uh, I'm doing well. And uh, yeah, it is pretty interesting that you guys decided to make a podcast just to make 69 episodes and then quit. That was actually the overall purpose right from the get-go, as far as I understand, right? <laughs> Absolutely. They made us fill out like one of those worksheets with like, you know, what are your goals? And that was the only one I wrote down. So. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, well, you did it. So yeah. congrats. Thanks. <laughs> Mac, is this your last episode recording in Cali? Um, I think I'll probably have one more. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I move on the 18th of april so there'll probably be another one maybe even two before then yeah do, do a nice little send-off episode to california for sure talk about how much the ducks kings and sharks all suck yeah except the sharks uh, fucked me last night but there's yeah, a lot of they things fucked that... me too with that eric carlson shootout goal fuckers god hammer absolute hammer you see his press conference afterwards dude? yeah it was that, funny wait what did he say he was like eating an apple during the press conference, right? Like munch, like chewing, like so loudly right into the mic on like an apple or some shit. And like, I don't even really know what the question was. I didn't totally understand it, but it was something like, was this like your best game when you score like two goals and basically a hat trick? Cause the third goal was a shootout winner. And he literally just like took a big old bite, chewed for a second and was like, not even close. <laughs> That's all I said. Well, it's been a bit of a rough kick at the can since he became a shark. So yeah. uh, there's that. But uh, so for this episode, we want to announce that we have a very big interview guest joining us. We were lucky enough to be joined by current member of the Orlando Solar Bears and former member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Jerry D'Amigo. Uh, awesome sat- interview. So much fun. Yeah, we yeah. sat down with Jerry last week. Uh, we spoke to him about his career what he's doing now uh he was teammates with phil kessel that's all you really need to know in toronto and there's some some great feedback there uh he was on the same world junior team for usa that won gold in 2010 as danny christo who we had as an interview guest earlier and just a, a bunch of cool stories he got to play in the the winter classic i think 2014 uh between the red wings and the maple leafs at the big house in ann arbor so just just some awesome stories and obviously now uh he's playing with the solar bears so we're wishing him best of luck for the rest of the season, and we appreciate him joining us. Uh, one other thing before we get started, uh, tonight's drinking game. Drink anytime someone mentions the Buffalo Sabres or how bad they suck or them ruining their bet because, man, we are going to be shit-faced by the end of this. So uh, buckle up. We got a lot to cover. We got a long interview, so we're going to get started. I'm going to toss it off to Nick right now. 
Well, first things first, everyone take a drink because I want to talk about the Sabres. <laughs> um, their losing streak has now tied the all-time record held by the 04 Pittsburgh Penguins at 18 games. When is this going to end? I know we both, Harry, you and I both thought it could have happened, you know, at multiple nights over the last seven days, and it just hasn't yet. So my I question to you guys is... I think I've now lost $50 trying to predict when the streak <laughs> will end, because I think I've bet on them like three different times throughout this streak, thinking, okay, tonight's the night, and it's yet to come. I, I, over or under 20? They're at 18. You think it goes over, over 20? You think over, Mac? At this point... I, w- I just have to say I got to look at their schedule, but but just in general, I feel like over. Well, they play the Flyers again tomorrow night. And I know that, yeah. Call me stupid. I, I might bet them again. I, I'm just – It's has the closest to end. they've come in a while was that game last night. Or what was that two nights ago? It was last night. Okay. And last they were up 3 nothing going into the third period. And I had them on the money line. And I had them on the alternate puck line where they were plus 500 to win by two. They were up 3 nothing. I was counting my money already. I got greedy. I was texting yep. my buddy Cam. I was like, Buffalo, and like all caps. I'm like, we're, we're rolling. Like, I'm going to hit a plus 500 bet. That would have been an all-time record. And the Sabres sabered, and, you know, the Flyers came back, one, four, three, in overtime. They made it look easy, too. They, were they just did like, make it look easy. I should have lied bet the Flyers. I thought like about it. 40 said, seconds into overtime, they're just like, oh, yeah, hold on. Hold on one sec. <laughs> the second Darlene was in the offensive zone in overtime, he was like, he was just like draped all over. I think it was Giroux. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Two on one, boom, sauce pass between the legs, five hole. I apologize for the profanity on the Insta story. That just fucking gets me heated. God, they suck. Don't the funniest thing for, for me that. was uh, like watching the, the game tying goal where, when it became three to three. And I believe that the Sabres had some guys stuck out on the ice that they probably didn't want out there because of an icing call right before it. But uh, I think it's Brendan Montour that's standing yeah. in front of the net and he's literally just like moving his stick around, like trying to like get in the way he looks like complete idiot out there. Just like moving his stick around, trying to like, I don't know, like fuck with them while they have the puck. And like four seconds later, it's in the back of the net, right by, like right behind his guy. And he's just like, all right, well, I don't know what I was doing. I, I didn't pay close attention. Um, Dylan Cousins got hurt in the first period. I'm not sure if he returned. Yeah, I don't know that, if he did either. When that ha- It was his shoulder, I think. And when that happened, I was like, ooh. Um, I was thinking at second intermission, should I hedge myself and you know go live bet with the Flyers? But obviously I didn't because you know that's no fun. So, yeah, the Sabres suck. Um, I will probably bet them tomorrow night, though, truly. They, I mean, they had a chance to close that out too. After even after they started to give up goals, the empty net they missed. It the was empty like, fucking but, net. He what? What? The, I can't remember who it was. The guy like hmm. dove. He like tr- he like dove at it and hit it and it missed the net. And I was like, oh my god, that's a sign from God. We're gonna all get screwed on this. And I'm sure <laughs> shit. I will say, once I saw that it became three to th- I wasn't watching. I was just following on my phone. But once I saw that it became three three and it was going into overtime, even though I also had sabers money line i was like okay i hope they lose now i just hope it keeps going because Fuck them. i want a chance to win on the adjusted puck line i know that plus 500 would have been sick but yeah um that's anyway. enough sabers talk i feel like we've beat the living piss out of them the last four episodes pretty so much sure. but i mean hey they're really bringing it on themselves uh patty marlowe officially became the second player on the all-time games played list with 1,757 games played. He is now just 10 games behind Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howe. This is a pretty significant record that's about to be broken. 
I, w- I mean, behind points and goals, I would say that this is maybe the most impressive record that you could have. Uh, he, he will, in April, become uh, number one all-time in games played, so that's pretty freaking cool. Now, read- that is NHL games played. Gordy Howe did play a ton of WHA games as well. True. but Fair point. And I, I also read that since Marlowe was drafted in 1997, he's played in 98.3% of games that he's been eligible to suit up for wow. in the NHL, wow. which is wild. I that think he's missed crazy. like 20 or something like that. Very so, impressive. Hats off to him. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so he should pass how if, you know, you know, everything continues to go as it is sometime in April. So definitely keep your eyes open for that one. Our eyes were all opened at the latest controversy in sports surrounding the referees uh, coming out of the, what was it? It was the Preds and who else was playing that night? Was it Colorado? Um, I think it was I Detroit. Just, I just know it was Nashville. And okay. somebody. I think it was Detroit. Anyways, uh, the referee's mic was on. He gets caught saying, uh where is it it was like it wasn't much but i wanted to get a fucking penalty against nashville early in sort of you know you put you use context clues you know what he was saying he's like it wasn't much in the call but i wanted to get nashville in the box early this was picked up on national television the referee in question tim peel was fired almost immediately so not a great look for the official and not a great look for you know sort of refereeing and hockey in general what did you guys think I mean, you never want to see that. Obviously, like the NHL has to make an example out of him, but like, I mean, this happens like every game, every other game. I mean, we we all know how how it works. To me, I wasn't like shocked, like, oh my God, this is happening. It was just like, oh man, this guy got caught doing what we all know they all do, basically. Yeah, I mean, at at the time that I heard of this, I was like, wow, he's going to get fired, and rightfully so, right? You can't really get caught, but... Uh, there were a lot of players online who were saying that this was a little bit harsh. Uh, and actually a lot of them liked the way that Tim Peel quote unquote managed the game, which I think is something that the league is trying to figure out. How do we go forward with that? Because for those of you who you know might be casual fans and unaware, there's kind of this unwritten rule in hockey. Like, you know, uh, if you call a soft penalty on one team, you're going to probably call a soft call going the other way to even the makeup it up. call the makeup call, something we'll get into later. If a team is on a power play, it seems that it's a lot less likely for the shorthanded team to take a penalty to create a five on three. We'll get into that in a little bit, uh, you know, with our favorite guy, Jack Edwards. I don't know. I think it might be a little harsh. I think a suspension would have been fine. I think you could have made an example out of him without totally canning him because like Max said, this happens every other game. He just so happened to be mic'd up. So. Well, and here's the other thing. Every time a play, like let's think about player suspensions and stuff like that. I know it's totally different, but let's just compare them for one sec. You know, a guy in the NHL makes a dirty hit. What do they do? They look at the hit and they look at his track record. Is he a repeat offender? Blah, blah, blah. What does his career look like in general? Is he some Joe Schmo? Is he a guy that's played in a billion games and he's probably just frustrated and made a bad hit or whatever? I don't know. I, I would have been okay with the NHL looking at this saying, okay, he's officiated 1300 NHL regular season games, 90 plus playoff games, couple winter classics, the Olympics, like 
do we need to can this guy or can we give him a stern talk and to suspend him for a couple weeks and move on? You know, I think they, he was set to retire at the end of the season anyways. And I think that's what they were doing here. I think they were going to go, this sounds really, really bad. It's not a great look for the league. Let's can the guy. He's set to retire anyways. He, you know, hasn't had a blemish in his entire career going back to the nineties. So, um, because I think if they had tried to defend it and worked around it, it probably would have been a PR nightmare for them. So um, unfortunately that's just a, a casualty of the, of the situation. Bigger PR nightmare. He releases a book on Amazon and yeah. all, all the secrets come out, which is what fans are calling for. Cause we want to know. We're That'd like, sick. Let, let's hear what well, the like, night. Um, yeah. Have you guys read Carrie Fraser's book? I have not. Oh my God. It's incredible. Like just the stories that like a referee who's been doing it for that long has. Makes me think of uh, the book ball four by Jim Bouton, which is like a tell all tale of the MLB and what all the players were doing back in those days and stuff. It'd be cool to read. Uh, The Philadelphia flyers have been pretty outspoken recently about how they're not really happy with their core group. Obviously the flyers are struggling barely managed to get past the Sabres the other night. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, their GM has basically said, we have talented people. I don't think that our core group right now is what's going to get us to that next level. Basically in a nutshell saying we're open to making changes at the deadline and more likely we're probably going to make changes at the deadline. Uh, They acted on that today by putting Shane Goss to spare on waivers uh, Goss's bear is currently in the fourth year of a six year, $27 million deal. So I think it'll be interesting to see if someone takes a chance on this guy or scoops him up, or if he clears waivers, are we looking at another shoe in for Seattle next year? It's been a rough kick at the can for Philly lately. Uh, and mostly for their goaltender Carter Hart, who was actually scratched against the Sabres yesterday being Monday and will be scratched again uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, just, it's not looking good. I think uh, Elaine Fino said that he's just not, I think he actually said he's not working hard enough. I'm pretty sure I read that quote on NBC. Well, and they, they specifically said about those two games that he scratched for that. It's not, it's not an off day. Neither one of them is an off day for him. Their work days, their office days, if you will, where he's going to be really trying to focus on this game and trying to, they said he's even going to be staying like late on the ice for practice and everything. Like he's literally just going to be like working hard um, and paying real close attention, watching the games and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, sometimes this can be good for a goalie. I've seen it a couple times throughout the years, especially a young guy like Carter Hart. He's a talented kid. He'll figure it out. It's a, it's a nice little reset button. Let's just, you know, step back from the situation for a couple games, refocus yourself, reorient yourself, and we'll go back at it. I mean, Philly's four, five, and one in their last 10. And one of the biggest things that I think has dropped off is, I don't know if you guys have seen, but I think like a month or two, month, month and a half ago, I had uh, James Van Riemsdyk as my first liner. And that production has plummeted since even then. like they're even like Voracek <laughs> and Kevin Hayes like those guys have, have like sure slowed who. down a bit yeah sure yeah. mm-hmm. who uh, yeah Kevin Hayes was on down. fire yeah he's got like four goals in the last or he's got like four points in the last like 10 games or something which is like good but it's not like Kevin Hayes good you know like yeah everybody's there everybody on that team is kind of reaching like hitting a wall right now for some reason so yeah 
Uh, I would say the one bright spot from casually watching would be Ivan Provorov. He's so fucking good. Yeah, he's, he's he's a stud. So that's one bright spot that you guys got going for you. For sure. Uh, the NHL has fined San Jose Sharks forward Curtis Gabriel and coach Bob Budner for a pregame altercation with the Los Angeles Kings. We referenced this. I don't know if it was last episode or two episodes ago. Uh, basically, Curtis Gabriel's been on like a war path of teams in Southern California, just beating up whoever he can get his hands on. And, you know, prior to a game against the Kings, he was at, you know, center ice and warm ups, mixing it up, ended up cross checking a guy. Long story short, the two throw it in a uh, good, good Tilly. Uh, I think it was like midway through the game and they ended up finding him about like three grand. I think the coach got five grand and then the team got 25. So I thought that was a little bit harsh. Um, I guess just because it was blatantly obvious that they were sort of stirring shit up in warmups, but what did the coach do? I don't know exactly what the coach did. I guess maybe continuing to put this kid out there like, but I don't know what the coach did. To me, that's the game within the game. So I it's personally don't. Yeah, I don't agree with that. all time hockey. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I don't know how I would feel if I was like the opposing team though, and, and shit's going on in warmups. Like you know, you got guys without helmets out there in warmups. Yeah, trying to like get out there and like get get the juice flowing. Like you're not really ready to fight somebody. You know, like True. it's not really the time for that. I can recall in recent memory, very recent memory, you know, star players that have acted up in warmups in playoff series and such. And I don't think that this is anything different than what we've seen in the past. I think, you know, this got caught on, got caught on film, went viral. I gave him a little cross check and he's a no name. So they gave him a little, little slap on the elbow, which speaking of elbows, ah, shit, you guys are going to see this. So I was on a scooter and I was oh, going no. full speed. Ooh. And I wiped out. Ooh. And uh, road rash. Big hockey guy scar right there. So nice. Um, Has your girlfriend seen it yet? Yeah, it was kind of gross. She said so. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I fell off a scooter full flight in the middle of a road. Luckily, no cars were behind me. No vehicles were damaged. And I'm, uh, I'm recovering. It's like a, one of them electric scooters or no? Yeah. Yeah. How hammered were you? dead sober dead sober that's the worst part (laughs) no (laughs) no i know so felt every every piece of gravel in there didn't you uh it was horrible well here's something that'll make you feel better Sidney crosby recorded his 1300th career point saturday night versus the islanders he's the third active player to do so uh joe thornton obviously and then ovi's the other one and he's the eighth fastest all time to reach the milestone it's pretty damn impressive yeah, I've just, you know, with Ovi and Sid, I feel like every show becomes a milestone recap. So uh, they just keep on plugging. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I want to go back to what you were talking about, about uh, the whole referee penalty situation and penalties not being called on a team that's already on a man advantage. So we had this situation happen the other night. Uh, it was magnified by our favorite play-by-play announcer Jack Edwards for Nesson, who does the Boston Bruins games. Uh, I'm sure you guys heard the call. I'm sure you've seen all the videos about it. What do you guys think of the situation and then how much of this is just being made that much worse because it's Jack Edwards? Um, he's right. I hate to admit it. I think no, he's, he's 100% right. I think he's right. It's just the way he says it is so dramatic. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what made the call what it is, is a, a viral internet moment because it's Jack Edwards. 
but he is he is a thousand percent right and i don't agree i can't remember a time that i've agreed with jack edwards on anything uh but there is a unwritten rule where you know if you're the shorthanded team and you take a penalty the refs are probably i'd say like 50 percent less likely to call it and put that five on three against you than they are to even it out four on four against the power play team it's just something that We've all noticed it was a blatant uh, trip on David Krejci. So, yeah, I think he has a really valid point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hate to to agree with Jack Edwards, but you guys are absolutely right. Uh, I, I I think it was a blatant trip. I do think Jack Edwards was like literally about to cry about it. He probably needed to calm down a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a trip. You'd like to see it called. What, Simple what, as that. Who's his what? what who's his co host? Do you know his name? Andy Brickley, I think the color yeah. guy. Yeah. He's got the bit a strong Boston accent. Yeah, Peter. Griffin. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. yeah, he was he was pretty pissed off too. He's like, and Crichton can't believe it. And I was like, <laughs> well, no shit, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wow. bad. I mean, it's obviously it gets magnified because everyone loves to hate on Jack Edwards, obviously yeah. present company included, and uh, yeah, it just gets made that much more funny because it's the Boston area, which is always entertaining. Uh, Zach Fucali, our buddy, signed a two-year contract extension with the Caps. That's awesome. Huge congrats to him. Hell yeah. Maybe he could take us on a nice little trip or something up to Canada. Down. That'd be nice. We could come up and visit. I don't know. For Zach, if you're listening, please. Yeah, I think the area <laughs> he's from in Quebec has like incredible skiing. So down. Yeah. Don't need to convince me. But yeah, congrats to Zach. That's that's awesome. Uh if you he listen to his it. interview. Yeah, he's, if you listen to his interview, yeah, if you listen to his interview, you uh, you know his story, and he's he's trying to rebound and come back, and this is definitely a, a step in the right direction for sure. Uh, Dougie Hamilton has extended his point streak to fourteen games, just passing Austin Matthews for the longest point streak so far this season. That's nothing to scoff at. That dude's been on fire, and honestly, so is Hamilton lately. Uh, and the 14 game point streak he's on is the sixth longest for a defenseman in the last 40 years. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. It's, you go Mac. I was just going to say it's, it's really good. It's uh, a lot of people don't, don't pay a lot of attention to it. Like I, I, I honestly did not know until right now that he was on this point streak, but um, I have had some reservations about Dougie Hamilton in the past, <laughs> which I think I have aired on this podcast, but <laughs> Uh, I, I got a hand to him. He's a talented defender and, uh, he's got a great offensive upside too. So remember that time he just like didn't defend Ovi in the playoffs. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing I was alluding yeah. to. I just think, yeah, a little bit of a bitch <laughs> sometimes, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I had I saw this on the, uh, NHL PR Twitter. And when I saw it, I was like, what? Like, seriously? And yeah, I mean, he's been having a, a monster season. Carolina's kind of low key had a monster season. Uh, I guess it all makes sense. So yeah, he's got two goals, fourteen assists, sixteen points. Uh, not too shabby. No, not at all. Did you guys catch any of the college hockey that was on this weekend? I did not. I know you did. Yes, just highlights. And I'm still tired from it because uh, honestly it kept me up pretty late. So the, the wildest game was uh, Minnesota Duluth, who's the two-time defending champs and North Dakota, who's I think the number one overall seed going into the tournament. Uh, Duluth's up two goals with like a minute and 37 seconds left. UND ties it up. It goes into overtime, goes into second overtime, goes into third overtime, 
fourth overtime and finally Duluth gets it done in the fifth overtime. And I, I swear to God, I watched from the third period all the way through the end of the fifth overtime. It was a stinker goal too. It was. And I felt really bad and like felt real bad for the goalie too. Duluth actually had to bring their backup goalie in because I think like at the beginning of the fourth overtime, the starter just like cramped up completely. Like he could not move his legs. Um, So, and they just threw the backup in. I thought, you know, Oh, North Dakota has this, you know, shoot high, shoot hard, shoot often. But um, yeah, they end up getting it done. And there's three teams from Minnesota that are in the frozen four. Great hockey moment. I got to add was uh, after that shitty goal goes in uh, and you can tell the goalie was really feeling it like, Holy shit. I just, shit the bed here um you know his teammates come over and they're like hey man like whatever it's it, it is what it is but the goalie from the opposing team actually came all the way down the ice um to to talk to his uh opposite goalie yeah uh, and, and basically congratulate him for making it that far and, and say shake it off whatever so that's a good hockey moment you love to see that big time especially for goalies it's such a hard hard job to do yeah uh, before we move on to trades and injuries, Nick, is there one, there's one thing that I saw that you had that I, I have no idea about Laville rocket forward. Oh yeah. Did, I don't know if you guys read about this or not, but basically this kid, um, Yannick. Yeah. Yannick Velu. I'm sure I'm butchering the last name. Uh, <laughs> he's had sort of like a rough couple of weeks. He was suspended two games for an obscene gesture towards the it? opponent's bench following a goal he scored. Did he flick him off or jerk I, him off? I don't want to do the gesture, but it involved something going into someone's mouth. Let's just put it that way. Oh, um, okay. And so <laughs> gets, you know, gets a two game sussy for that. And then three minutes into his first game back, he gets booked for a four game sussy <laughs> for a knee on knee hit. So, and both suspensions have occurred in just 11 games. <laughs> so uh. he's been suspended for six of 11 games so far. Legend so, dang. That's just, you know, that's the stuff that makes you smile. The guy's just completely murdering opponents in the league. So we all played with that one kid growing up who just had the hottest temper and like always got, oh, had yeah. to have that, that last, that last word in, or, you know, his dad stares down like, the bench or something. Yeah. Just or, or like, he's <laughs> the one who's like swiping the glove Sally on the ice and like throwing it in the bench's face. It, it, this is what reminds me of that. Yeah. Good times. Has like and a $300 Bauer stick. That's going to break in two weeks and then I'll get another one. Or breaks it over the bench when he gets a bullshit penalty, and then his mm-hmm. dad is like, "I'll get you a new one." Yeah, <laughs> yep. I miss youth hockey. Damn uh, it. Uh, some nice. trades to get to. Uh, before we do, we just want to let everyone know that Canada did shorten their quarantine window, so now it's not a 14-day quarantine going into Canada; it's a seven-day, which is the same, I believe, for the states. So that's sure. big. Yeah, That's it's really huge big. because it makes trading from U.S.-based teams a lot easier. So I think before they announced that, there was probably a lot of stuff that that teams were like, you know, what, this is off the table because it's just not going to work oh, sure. out. Oh, sure. 14 it's days. not going to help I mean, us soon enough. Yeah, I mean, that's way too long to, to have to worry. And then what, after that, then he – then he still is going to have a little bit of a you know window where he's got to kind of break into the lineup and everything. So that's is, huge. Does this just apply to the NHL or is this like apply to general population? I'm not sure. Because if it's general population, I would. What if they did this to get the cup back to Canada? Oh my god! 
No, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if that's true, but. Well, you know, you know, Canada's being like, right, we need to talk about like the mandatory, like, you know, quarantine coming over the border. They're like, why? And everyone in the boardroom, everyone in the boardroom is like, how else are the Leafs going to win the cup? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or the Habs make. Habs make the playoffs. Hoisted in Edmonton last year. Okay, it's close enough. They were right <laughs> there for it. So. Yeah, that's the closest the Oilers might get in a while. So yeah, yeah. Um, Alexander Volkov was traded to the Ducks from the Lightning on Wednesday of last week. Uh, the Lightning will receive forward prospect Antoine Moran and a seventh round NHL draft pick. Brendan <sighs> Lemieux. I was actually <sighs> surprised about this one. Yeah. yeah. Literally, Mac. Uh, Brendan Lemieux was traded from the Rangers to the Kings for a fourth rounder. I think that's a great pickup for the Kings. That's decent. That guy's a prick to play against. Yeah, for sure. Tasmanian devil. I don't know why the Rangers would shed him. I mean, I was about to say, good guy to have late in the playoffs if someone gets hurt, but then uh, I forgot that it's the Kings. Oh, not going to matter. <laughs> Eric Stahl was traded from Buffalo to Montreal in exchange for a third and a fifth rounder. And Buffalo is going to retain uh, 50% of Stahl's contract. And he's got 10 points in 32 games this season, which doesn't sound great, but on the Sabres, I think that's pretty good. This is a trade that I saw and I was like, okay, here we go. Let's get the big names rolling. Yeah. Like this, I felt like was kind of the beginning of like all it's the, the stuff first domino to fall going to happen soon. Yes. And I like the move. I think, um, I mean, if you're Eric Stahl, you get this news. You got to be like, holy shit, buy the champagne. We're going to Montreal. I'm getting the hell out of Buffalo, like getting off this sorry team. Nope. Drink again, I guess. Well, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, yeah, I mean, that's exciting for him. It's exciting for Montreal. I'm excited to see uh, how he's going to fit into that lineup. I honestly think the return's decent for Buffalo, too. A third and a fifth. I mean, that's not too shabby for him. It just sucks they have to retain his contract. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the standings right now. We got Montreal in fourth place. They've only played 31 games. I know they've had a COVID hit here. Um, The Flames are right behind them uh, in fifth place with 35 points. Montreal is 37. But Montreal's played six less games than – Calgary, I guess, because of this COVID hit. Um, Originally, I was going to say, I don't think this trade does much for the Habs, to be quite honest. I mean, I think it's a good move with what they're trying to do, which is make the playoffs. But I don't think that this is going to do anything that will send them over the top or make them a serious contender. Uh, I don't know. If if they didn't have six games in hand, I'd say that I think the Flames will overtake them. But uh, who knows? Not a bad move. They're just like annoying to play against. And Eric Stahl's a very annoying player, at least in my world. So yeah. I yeah, I think he fits in great there. Um, and I think that's a move that could really shore up their bottom six. So the Habs are back in action tonight, I believe, for the first time um yeah. since the COVID outbreak. And I don't know how many players they're gonna have that are still on the list or not, but I also don't know when Eric will be done with his quarantine or if he's already done since it's just seven days now but i mean it's in this season it can't hurt to just have extra guys that have played tons of games and know exactly what to do if if you have to tell them hey you're suiting up tonight you know a guy like eric Stahl on any given night is going to be ready to go so or especially if they make the playoffs i mean having him in your locker room it's got to help for something so yeah totally even if he's fourth line center or whatever right 
But I mean, just a guy that's played that many playoff games, like you said, that's just invaluable. Has a cup too. Yeah, he does. Uh, some injuries to get to. Uh, this one was pretty gruesome. I don't recommend watching it if you're, you know, squeamish or whatever, but Aaron Eckblad is out for the season after being stretchered off with a just brutal leg injury against Dallas on Sunday night. He has undergone surgery and they're estimating that he's going to be out for 12 weeks. So done for the year sucks for him, especially because the cats have been having, I think a decent season this year. Great uh, season. Yeah. So just, uh, you f- never want to see something like that. But. The physics of what happened to his leg. Like I watched it Ugh. a dozen times and I still like could not compute how his leg bent that way. No, it like, reminded me of like, not nearly as bad, but it like reminded me of like Kevin Ware, where it's yeah. like, how could somebody's leg be in that shape? Like in that many different directions. It was, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like a square. Yeah. yeah watched it once won't watch it again exactly uh freddie anderson is going to be out at least one more week as he continues to recover from a lower body injury uh the leafs head coach sheldon keith told that to mark masters of tsn and then tristan jari is being evaluated for an upper body injury after leaving monday night's contest against the islanders in the first period harry what happened did he get rung up high I don't even really know. I, I was, I mean, I was watching the game, but I was kind of like on and off on my phone and checking the goddamn Sabres drink score. Um, and yeah, he, he left after the first period to Smith finished the game. They, they closed the game out two one, which was nice, but this is definitely not good for us. He's been playing lights out. Uh, so is to Smith though. One thing I want to touch on about uh, Toronto, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more after the interview. Uh, there's might be a goalie controversy in toronto i th- i think we're getting to that point and when the media Soupy starts, looks good well and when the media starts saying that there isn't one that's usually when there is one so um that's that's what i'm going to say about that but we'll we'll get into that a little more after uh the interview with jerry so uh you guys got anything else to add for news injuries updates nope. all good all good All righty. Before we get to the interview, we just want to let you know that this interview with Jerry is brought to you by Brackish Life. Let's take a minute to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's real bay apparel made by real bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a pr- portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today. This visor is also sex, if I do say so myself. Uh, bad radio. And we're going to toss it off to Jerry right now. All right, ladies and gents, it's now my pleasure to welcome on Mr. Jerry D'Amigo to the Empty Betters podcast. Jerry, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, sit down and talk to us today. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up and how you started to play the the wonderful game that we all love. I uh, started playing uh, in Binghamton, New York, where I'm from, uh, seven years old. We had a referee that lived above our uh, my parents' uh, house. We had a two apartments uh, above us. So he was a referee, kind of got hooked into that. And, uh, you know, from there it was just, you know, got into the, into the, uh, 
mini mites and house league and then grew from there to now, you know, still playing professionally in my 11th year. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a fun ride and a fun journey so far. What was the, uh, what was the youth hockey scene like in your area? You know, for us, we grew up in the, the Maryland DC Baltimore area. So uh, at times it wasn't great. Uh, you know, a lot of time in your driveway, what was it like for you? Uh, for me, it was, we had the, uh, Binghamton Rangers, um, so the HL team, we had the Binghamton ice. So we always had a hockey team there or a professional team for, for me to look up to and go to the games and get that excitement. Um, never grew up on playing roller hockey in the streets and like in Wayne's world, you know, they're, they're doing that stuff. I wish that was the case. Less uh, a recycling bin and, uh, a roller ball or roller puck. And, you know, that's, that was the end of it. And I kept on asking my dad for rollerblades and I kept on growing to a net and, uh, so on and so forth. Sure. Relatable. <laughs> um, who, when you were growing up, was there a favorite team you had? Were you a Rangers fan? Uh, you know, did you have a, did you have a favorite player that you looked up to? Uh, I was more or less, uh, a Rangers fan. And then once the senators, the Binghamton senators came along, I was a huge, you know, Jason Spezza fan. So, you know, those are my two teams. And then, uh, you know, I, I always had a, a thing for following, you know, players that I loved. So it was never like almost a, never really a team. It was more, you know, Zach Parisi when he was with the Devils, I followed the Devils. Um, you know, Mark Messier was with the Rangers, obviously. Like just guys like that I would follow and, and whatever team they went to. And now you see it you know, with every team or whatever, you know, guys are switching teams like crazy. So it's, it's hard to, for me at least to stick with, you know, a, a one team when, you know, I'd like to follow players because, you know, that's who I look up to really. Mm -hmm. Sure. What was the, uh, you know, you sort of, you know, as you progress transition into high school, what was your high school hockey scene like? Uh, minimal. Um, yeah, we, we had like club teams. Okay. So it was, uh, more or less like just terrible hockey, not to, not, not to be rude about it. it, it <laughs> our, our thing was really in juniors. We had a junior, you know, C, B, uh, and then turned into a junior A team. So that was really, you know, what I went through, um, you know, never had the chance to, to have what some of these guys have with high school hockey in Minnesota, or, you know, even in some States, I know they have good high school hockey teams, but for me, it was just, you know, the, the normal Bantams, uh, and then, uh, went to juniors, moved up and then the U S program. So I never really got to experience that. What, at like, what point did you sort of start to realize like, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I, you know, there's a chance I could, you know, play at a super high level. Um, I mean, the realization I think happened when I got the invite for the U S you know, under 40 camp and then made that team. Um, I always had hints of, you know, moving up, you know, playing juniors when I was 14, uh, junior A when I was 15, and just things like that were hints um, that I was getting somewhere. And then having, you know, the realization of, you know, you're, you're competing against the best kids in your age group uh, at the under 40 camp. And then making that team, you're one of the top 91s, uh, you know, at the age of 17. And then, you know, that kind of just exploded to, you know, this is real. You got to quit, you know, every other sport that you're playing and, and focus on, and focus on hockey, which I, I didn't mind at all. I loved hockey and loved, uh, you know, loved everything about it. What were the other sports in that rotation? You know, I played, I played everything. My dad, my dad was a basketball, football, uh, baseball hockey was out of the question because it was so much money. 
I had to beg him to play. So for me, uh, you know, I, I love, I love football, but came into hating it at the same time because it ran into hockey. Uh, so then it was just hockey and baseball. And then once I moved to Ann Arbor to play for the U S program, it was uh, just hockey and had to give that up. But, you know, I still play softball in the summers now, so it's nice to, to pick that back up. We've had some guests on uh, previously that have played uh, in that uh, United States development program that you're mentioning, and we've never really gone in depth about it. So I kind of want to take the chance to ask you, like, what is that experience like? I, I mean, it's based on what you told us about your background. I'm assuming nobody from your area like went with you. Did you know anybody? What's that whole what's that whole scene about? I went in blind, not knowing, you know, much of anything. So a very nervous 16 year old, uh, going to live with Bill of parents, never lived with anybody, but my family, uh, you know, you're, you're going to school with all these guys, which was great. Um, you know, for me, I always yearn to practice every day to, to work out, to, to do that stuff. So basically I had, you know, five days a week on the ice after school workouts, after games on the weekend. It was perfect, almost the ideal situation. Um, and then you learn as you go, you know, you make new friends and you got your teammates to, to rely on. And it was, it was great. You know, the coaching staff, the medic, like you just, you never, we never had a trainer in juniors, you know, it was just kind of like a, an, uh, an ER guy or a doctor of a friend that just like came by the game and was like, Hey, if somebody gets some stitches, like I'll, I'll send you to the hospital or something, or maybe stitch you up. But just things like minimal things like that, having, you know, an ice machine to for injuries or a stim machine, like, like our weights in a weight room that we can go to besides going to a place where, you know, everybody's there and you got to wait to get on the bench press or the squat rack. Um, so those are the, the cool things that I liked, uh, you know, as a, as a young kid. Were you guys all like billeted in the same area? So you all went to like the same high school or was it sort of, you know, over, a, you know, like two or three, four high schools or something like that? So they had two high schools the year before, and then they transferred everybody to Pioneer High School, which is right across from the big house, uh, Michigan's uh, stadium. So we had pretty much everybody there except for two guys. Um, so we all lived there. We were, the housing was, everybody was within like a 20 minute radius. Okay. We, we lived in a golf course or a, like we, our, our family had a house on a golf course. So that was nice. There was about six other guys that lived in that, you know, area. And then, you know, other guys were just scattered, you know, wherever families would take them. I want to move to a different part of your career real quick. Um, the, when you got recruited by RPI, tell us about that experience. We're always curious to hear about how the guys who go on to college, what their recruitment process is like, what your experience was there. Uh, a lot of calls, a lot of letters. Um, I think, you know, not a lot of people know that you're getting, if, if you're a, and I'm not trying to brag, like if you're not trying to brag, but if you are liked by a lot of schools, mm -hmm. their assistant coaches are calling, not daily. I know there's rules now, but you know, you can have coaches that call you three or four different coaches that call you at night. Um, Jeez. And, and then you get letters, you know, in the mail. So you know, it's, it's a weird experience, but it's also great to know that you're wanted by all these schools. Cause you know, at that point I was, I was ready to go to college. I dreamt about it. Um, you know, a lot of these guys were, were as well. So, um, you know, basically it was, they saw you on games, they called you, they sent you a letter, just trying to, you know, tell you about the school, tried to set up an official visit. Um, so you just, they almost like were building a relationship with you. 
Um, and then basically by the end of it, I just built a, a, a great relationship with Seth Apper and Jim Montgomery, uh, who were both at RPI. And, you know, for that being so close to home, two hours away, and I was already a little homesick kind of being in Ann Arbor, eight hours away. So it was between them, Notre Dame and Miami, Ohio. And, you know, I just felt more comfortable with that coaching staff and, and that being so close where my parents can come to, you know, every home game. Well, you ripped it up. You had a six season, basically a point per game. Would you attribute most of that just to like the comfort that you had? You know, you talked about Jim Montgomery being close to your family. Would you say that was the biggest deal or is there any teammates that kind of helped you out? Um, I think it was going to a program that you were going to play. I was told, and not that it was given to me on a platter. Like I, they said I would have to work for it, but uh, you know, once I went there, they're like, you're going to get an opportunity to play first power play, first penalty kill, first line. No, no doubt about it. Um, you see a lot of these guys go to, you know, the Boston colleges or the Michigans and, you know, they got numerous guys ahead of them. You know, they're coming in. I had a buddy that played on the fourth line, you know, when he went to Boston college and, you know, he, he hated it. And, you know, not to say that I would have loved the challenge, but for me, what I wanted was to play and to, to be that guy that they looked upon to, to, to score on goals late in the game or just to build up, you know, what I needed to work on. And, right. you know, with having Montgomery there, um, I remember before World Juniors, um, he would take me on the ice for ice sessions, you know, half an hour before practice. to, And, you know, I don't think I would have gotten that in other colleges. I, I might have, but, you know, at, the, at that that point I was I was looking at that and I saw it and it, and it happened it was great for us or for yeah me. we've certainly had guys on here who have talked about like you know they might have been talented enough but the coach is a little bit old school and it's like you're you know you're a freshman you're a sophomore you know you're gonna you're basically gonna ride the pine and pay your dues until it's time you know it until it's your time so that's great that you were able to you know be told up front like hey you're gonna come here and you're gonna have a role you won ECAC rookie of the year. I mean, that had to feel great, right? Yeah, that was, uh, that was something that I never even thought about. And, you know, once I was a finalist, you know, then I was like, all right, I better win this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was great. It was just, you know, one of the things that solidified that I had a, a great year. Um, and, you know, then just I was ready for the next year up until, you know, I made the decision to, to leave and sign with Toronto. Do you remember uh, any specific schools that were like big rivalries for you guys that year or any, any particular games that you guys got especially up for at all? Uh, I always loved playing against Cornell. Like they were always the powerhouse. Uh, I know we were, you know, Clarkson was our huge rival, but you know, those big school uh, schools mm -hmm. like Cornell, uh, I remember playing against Yale. I got cream from behind. I think it was like first or second game we played against them or whatever and they were all over me and then I thought I had a concussion came back on the ice and had you know three points and was just shoving in their face so <laughs> uh, the only bad thing was that uh the coach was uh the <laughs> I don't know if I want to say this but uh you can say it we had uh, so we were on a face-off and all these guys were chirping me like you're washed up you're nothing you're a piece. Can I swear on here? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. Uh, I turn around. I go, which one of my gold medals do you guys want? <laughs> <laughs> that is not the good part. The coach came down 
and I was like, you're fucked. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you can never say that. Turned back around. Didn't think anything of it. Next thing I know, the guy's the world junior coach for the next year. No way. Oh, shit. So, was- yeah. My dad, oh my up, he's like, guess who's the coach for the world juniors? He's like, your buddy on the, on the Yale uh, team. And I'm like, oh, no. This is Holy be- hell. Wow. So you kind of just transitioned me right into where I was taking this. So obviously you played two, two, in two different world juniors, correct? Yep. 2010 and 2011. Yep. So, um, I, I mean, we had one of your teammates, Danny Christo on, uh, previously, and we talked to him about, you know, that whole experience and the, the, the famous John Carlson goal. So you played in two, I'm curious, was there a difference between one year and the other? I mean, obviously you won gold and, 2010 but just like what was the vibe around comparing the two seasons uh next to each other um I mean it was almost expected for us to win the next year you know and we never had that before um you know Canada you know make your best effort to to try to win and and hope for a silver medal I think the goal was always gold but you're just the powerhouse of Canada you know you you knew it was going to be a tough battle every single time and if you met them, it was going to be a toss up, you know, whatever happened, however it was going to go, it could have gone either way. But, you know, for me, I think, what do they call it when you, you know, you win the Stanley cup and then you got the, you have a terrible year the next year. It's like a hangover. Yeah. I had the, the world junior hangover and yeah. I was, I was almost comfortable just personally myself comfortable with, you know, Hey, I already won this tournament. Um, and I think that, that kind of held me back from doing as good as I did, but, you know, it was a great two years that or two seven day tournaments that we had and we won bronze the second one, which, you know, not a lot of people get to say they, they got, you know, even a medal in that, uh, for, for me to have two out of there. And a lot of guys, I know Campbell has three, I think. So, wow. Yeah. It sounds about right. I think so. Him and Zucker are. No idea. Just, I know one of those at three. So it's, uh, I think we trended there to, to always expand, which, which is great and why they're doing so well now. I'd love to say we're the starter kit to, to help them, but I, that's not it. There's a lot of <laughs> that, uh, I mean, that 2010 year was, you know, it was definitely my first exposure to, to you and your game. And I, I remember, I mean, you were just a monster in that tournament, 12 points in seven games, I think. And then, a huge goal in the, and then an apple in the, in the gold medal game too. So, um, so I think certainly for guys like our age, that was definitely, you know, definitely the start of, you know, where that program is now at that tournament and obviously the success they've had in this year and in years past. So it's just great to see. Yeah, no, I was, I remember I was looking forward to it and, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this team. You know, that was my goal. Uh, you know, I was drafted that summer too and drafted in the sixth round. So I dropped, you know, I thought it was going to be a second rounder. So I had that motivation uh, that, you know, what screw these guys. They made a mistake. Kadri was on the other side on Canada. He was the first rounder and I'm like, screw this guy. You know, he's, he's my enemy. Now we actually become, became friends, but (laughs) point of my life thing about him. I'm like, this guy, you know, he's going to eat my dust and, um, it was great that we, uh, we actually did it. Was there any, uh, friends that you had on the world junior team that you knew previously just from like development camp or college, or did you go in like not knowing anybody? We knew everybody. Yeah. I, I for a couple guys, I mean, half of those guys played on the U S 
you know, for the program. Right. Um, um, even on the other team, like Danny was, was on the, the older team when I was there. Um, Carlson, I knew I played against them in junior A's and he was within Washington nationals, like all these guys you grew up playing against or playing with. And that was, I think the good thing about it, because in that, in those tournaments, you need to create a bond with those guys early because it's such a short tournament. There's so many ups and downs. There's a lot of games that they're hard games and you want to trust the guy next to you that they're going to do, do their job. And I think that was the game changer for us better than any other team, you know, for us to, to come back after scoring two goals to make it five, five in the gold medal game, any team could have folded up and crumbled and we came back and won in overtime to win. So it's, things like that, even, you know, the, the Christmas day game where we lost in a shootout, we use that as motivation, you know, little things like that. People don't know, but it, it drove us. And, you know, the team chemistry, we were, we were having fun with it. That was, you know, one right. of the best times of my life and how short it was. So, um, you know, looking back on it, you guys are giving me some nice refreshers on how cool it's <laughs> so, uh, great. I, we could probably pepper you with 10 hours of questions about the world juniors, but for the sake of time, we'll spare you. But I do have to ask one question. Uh, are there any good stories about any celebration after the gold medal? We obviously had Danny on and he's got the viral YouTube moment of the chant. So I'm, I'm curious if you have any recollection of that night. Uh, I do. Yeah. We, uh, we had a great night. We actually, <laughs> they, they set us up with something, you know, at the hotel, they didn't really want us to go out and USA, USA hockey was very strict with their young kids, but we were in Canada. We drinking age was 19. Right. All of us were 19, so uh, a lot of the, the guys went out to a bar. We saw some of the Sweden guys. We saw some of the Canadian guys, and uh, it was awkward. And, but we had all the, the fans. The fans were there, and they were like, screw you guys. But <laughs> we're like, please don't hurt us. And then some of, the, some of the dads were there. They were buying us drinks. Like, it was, it was a great time and a great moment. I remember one of the good memories was afterwards I took a cab with uh markstrom who's the, i think he's on vancouver now um we swapped sweaters so i had a sweet i still have the sweden jacket that he has because we get all this apparel and you never really wear it afterwards so i'm like shit like let's let's just swap here so um you know we swapped hoodies i got a sweden hoodie out of it and uh you know i always every time we played against each other in the ahl i always you know talked to him and then if he was out we always had a drink or two together so it was uh you know, those were a couple of cool memories that uh, I remember. That has to be awkward, like bumping into each other, um, you know, at the bar, obviously after you've just, you know, yeah. played an intense game like that. Was it awkward at first and then everyone sort of like calmed down or was did you guys like avoid each other all night? No, I, you know, at that point, the game was over and, you know, they you already knew they were hurting. You know, once you lose a game like that, it's you don't want to rub it in as much as you want to. Cause I, I hated Canada, you know, growing up and uh, you know, then I played, I was drafted by Toronto. So I played there. So I, <laughs> I had to lose the hate right away or else they would have annihilated me. Um, but and then not to say, I hate Canada. Like I love Canada. I go no, up there summers and train now and, and you know, I love being up there, but uh, you know, it was just one of those things where you, you, you had a respect a mutual respect and, you know, the game was over and we were just having fun. We were enjoying our celebration and weren't worried about, you know, anything else. 
gonna take you you gotta talk about your draft experience obviously uh so we're gonna go right into that so shortly after there round six 158th overall by the toronto maple leafs i mean that's is short of maybe like montreal you could argue like that's just the biggest ticket that you can get as far as you know the, the big name franchises talk about your draft experience and what went down uh sh- pretty shitty actually oh. uh, not <laughs> I, I told you before, I, I was expected to be in, in the second round. Um, and I'm not downgrading. Being drafted is amazing um, by the league. I think everything, you know, works for a reason. And, you know, I'm thankful that, that it worked out how it did. Um, but, you know, I drove up to Montreal. Um, even before that, I went to the combine and I mentioned that I had a back problem, which was very, like, I just heard it in the U18 thing. So I didn't do any of the testing and all these teams were asking me in interviews what's, what's going on with your back? And I'm like, I mean, nothing, uh, you know, and all those interviews are terrible. You're sweating your nuts off and, you know, trying to make answers to all these GMs and, and, and trying not to make a fool of yourself. So I was in the draft, drove up, drove up there with my family. Um, uh, even had like a meeting with a couple teams before the, that Thursday before Friday saying, Oh, you know, if you're available in the, there, we're going to take you in the second round. If you're in the third round, we're going to take you. So you already have this idea of like, okay, second or third round, it's going to happen. First round or second round goes by nothing. Third round, nothing. And you always go past those picks where like, oh, they're going to take you and you're ready. So you get your hopes up and you're like, all right, like I'm going to be a flyer or whatever team it was. And it doesn't happen. Fourth round rolls right, rolls by. And then I started having all the other guys who were drafted on our, our U.S. team uh, we're coming by like, and sit, sitting by me in the stands. So embarrassment, you know, I'm just like, these guys are getting drafted over me and, and not to say that was a bad thing. I just was like, you know, these guys are already drafted. Am I not going to get drafted? Are my best friends going to see me just walk out without a Jersey? Like how crazy is this? Um, so I'm sitting there and my dad's like, don't worry, you know, use this as motivation. You know, this is something that's, that's going to be a blessing in disguise. And, you know, six round rolls around and boom, you know, everybody's there. And I think that was the biggest six round cheer you heard in the stadium uh, with everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, let's go finally. And, I, and I'm in my head. I'm like, everybody else is going to pay, you know, this, they all made a mistake, but thank God Toronto, you know, took the chance and, and saw what I'm worth. Um, so at the end of the day, it was a great slash terrible day, but I loved every minute of it. Yeah, the hurt now I can look back and say that's what shaped me and molded, molded me to, to be a better player and a better person. Uh, and, and, you know, not a lot of guys get the opportunity to be drafted. So um, I was very thankful for that. I have to imagine that's just got to be the most stressful day of your life. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to picture what it's like to sit there for six rounds, just waiting and, you know, not knowing if it's going to happen. Uh, what was training camp like for you? What was that transition, you know, like into the Leafs organization? Uh, I was starstruck by all these guys that used to be on my fantasy hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> Hot topic around here, fantasy hockey, yeah. but yes. I, I had Phil Kessel, you know, right by me. I'm, you know, on the second part, like, I'm like, this guy used to be on my team last year, scoring two, three goals a night. <laughs> Should I shake this guy's hand or like, is he going to Um but now it was, it was very intimidating. Um, and for me, not really knowing how to handle that situation, it was hard. Uh, and I learned how I go, like learned as it went on that, 
you know, you have either a game or two games to show what you're worth if you're going to make the team or be even, you know, be a call up. Uh, I kind of wish I had a, uh, uh, somebody to teach me or show me the ropes a little bit beforehand to, to let me know what I'm going to go through. But I mean, that's, that's one of those things you just trial by fire, you go in there and, and see what's going to happen. And, um, you know, had, had the, the talk with the worst thing about it is, you know, the beginning of camp camp, you're excited, you get the per diem, uh, you know, you get all that Canadian money and you're like, all right, what am I going to do with this? Uh, and then the practices are hard two two a days, basically a workout and, you're like, holy crap, all right, give the money back if you don't got to do any more of this. <laughs> and then the worst part about it was sitting in waiting for when you're going to get cut. We had this one guy, Reed Mitchell, who would just walk around and you're just putting your head down, hoping they're not going to come down and say, hey, listen, uh, Ron Wilson wants to come see you. That was uh, that was the, the cut. You knew, you're, you knew you're out the door. But you just got sent to the Marley, so it wasn't that bad. Um, but right. it, was, it was great. It was nerve-wracking. You know, I love to be around, you know, guys that I idolize kind of, uh, uh, you know, to be, be at the top of the top of the food chain. Well, your first season after training camp, just looking at your uh, your elite prospects page, you're, you go to the Marlies uh, and then afterwards you go to Kitchener, where I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you played with Gabe Landeskog there. Am I correct in that? Yes, you are. Is there any, I mean, what was he like as a, as a young guy? And also, can you talk uh, about that particular season for you? Well, for Gabe, was a great guy. I Just like, he's not even Swedish. He's American, I think. Uh, he's, he's lived in, in the U.S. for a while now. He's just, you wouldn't think he's Swedish. But uh, right. great guy, great guy to play with. Um, we had a great team that year. It was, it was something fun, but it was a weird dynamic for myself because I was playing with the Marlies thinking I was going to be with the Marlies the whole year. And I get, I'm driving on my way back from all-star break and my agent calls me and he says, Hey, listen, Jerry, uh, you know, they're going to send you to Kitchener. And I'm like, what? I'm in the NHL. They can't do that. That's legal. No, they can. And they're going to do it. So I'm sitting there thinking, man, like I left college to play for the Leafs or the Marlies. Like, now I'm going down, like what, what's going on. And, you know, I talked, Dallas Eakin was our coach then. And he brought me in the office. like, Hey Jerry, this isn't a bad thing. Uh, you know, we see our season here as you not, you know, progressing anymore. And they weren't going to make playoffs with the Marlies. And he said, you had a great opportunity there to play with some, a good group of guys. They're going to be in playoffs. You're going to play a lot of games. You're going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, it'll be really good for you. And then come back next year, even stronger. So went there didn't think I was going to like it and loved it. I still go back there. My builds, um, you know, I still go back and visit them. It was great to, to play there with their fan base. You know, they sold out every night. Um, I still am friends with some of the guys on the team. Like it, it was, it was a great experience. And to play with Gabe, um, we played on the line, I think for a cup of coffee. And then uh, I got, got out of there, but, but <laughs> it, it was a fun time for me and, and something I didn't expect. And it was another one of those moment where you're like you know this this isn't a good thing for me but it turns out it, it helped me so much and that next year for the Marlies I came out with a vengeance and you know, they're never going to send me in well they couldn't send me to Kitchener anyways but you know that's never going to happen to me again so it, it definitely helped me in a positive way and um, you know I'm very thankful for that as well.
Yeah, I mean, you absolutely torched it in Kitchener. You had 28 points in 21 games played. And then, like you said, you came back the next season and had a really good stint with the Marlies. Uh, two seasons, actually, that were really good with the Marlies. And then I'm going to fast forward just for the sake of time. But obviously, in the 2013-2014 season, you get the call up to Toronto. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure you can recall like where you were, how the phone call was. I'm, I'm curious to hear your experience on that. So we were getting ready to go to, I think, Cleveland. And, and by this point, I was, I think, three years in the A. So I'm like, all right, a call-up is never going to happen. I'm a, I'm a lifer in the AHL. You know, my dream, I came up so short. And you never really know what GMs are thinking, whether like, hey, this guy's playing well, I think we're going to call him up. Or, you know, we're going to give this guy a shot here next week. Or when somebody's injured, whatever happens. It's all it's all in their hands and based on injuries or whether you're playing well or not. So I was in that state of mind, you know, ready to go on a road trip. Coach calls me in. I'm like, Oh, oh shit, what's going on? What I do? Uh, you know, something happened. I didn't know about, but brings me in all the coaches there. I'm like, Oh boy, I'm really in trouble. Uh, and then they're like, Jerry, we just want to sit here and congratulate you that, you know, you're getting a call up and playing against Dallas uh, tomorrow night. And I'm like, I want to say, shh. Shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> I said, no. I was like, guys, no, really? And they're like, yeah, Jerry, congratulations. Shook my hand. In awe. Couldn't even speak. And they're just telling me what, what I got to do. And in my head, I'm just like, no way. No way this is happening. Um, right afterwards, they're like, all right, keep it a secret. Tell your family. So I called them right away. And I'm like, all right, like, let's go. Um, and then played my first game. And I don't even remember. I think it went by in like the blink of an eye. Uh, you so, won three to two, if that helps. <laughs> that was a good thing. And, you know, it was a great feeling because even <laughs> once I got into the, this is a funny story that my first game came in nice suit, looking good. You're supposed to have a key card to get into the locker room. So you know how they do now where they have the camera on you when you walk in the building, get everybody in their suits. So I'm walking by looking cool try to get in the door. It's locked. And I'm like looking around like an idiot. Like, is this guy even on the team? Like, is he a water boy? Like, why is he wearing a suit? <laughs> next thing you know, I'm on, I'm on TSN and they're like, well, this guy, Jerry D'Amigo had his first NHL game, but couldn't even get in the locker room before the game. <laughs> oh my <laughs> no. God. I was like, oh, this is great. I had a great laugh about it. The boys were chirping me and uh, <laughs> it was something cool that, you know, I was a guy that got chirped on TSN. So <laughs> It's kind of funny. I got my key card the next day though. So that was a, that was a plus. There you go. Do you, uh, do you have a recollection of scoring that goal for the, the Leafs that year? I do. That's Your first NHL cool. goal. So that game was crazy in itself because a lot of injuries were happening. So I was on the fourth line, you know, playing, playing my role, playing with Colton Orr and, and Fraser McLaren, you know, those guys were just, you know, best tough guys ever to have on your line. Yeah. Um, so you're playing, you know, four to five, six minutes a night. And that day, uh, Clark, uh, Dave Clarkson wasn't playing. So I'm kind of going in warm. I didn't know I was up to the next line. So Carlisle reads the lineup. He's like, all right, we got, uh, starting for them is, I think it was Hosa, Taves, somebody else and Keith and, uh, Seabrook. And I'm like, oh, huh. and then they're <laughs> starting, uh, Kuhlman, uh, Jay McClant and D'Amigo. And I just was like, stars like, no, what? I got to start. And I'm on the third line. Like the, the shut, they were the shutdown line. 
So I'm sitting there, I'm going to be dash four coming in <laughs> my first opportunity that they're going to give me. And I'm going to shit the bed and get five goals scored on us. And I'm going to be sent down to the Marlies, but uh, turns out like had one of the best games ever and play like I don't know what happened I just must have focused or ate my Wheaties that morning and it was a great day but uh you know then scoring the goal who, who can say they had a one-handed you know goal for their first goal in the NHL and the ref awesome. actually came over to me and also I almost fell on my celly so that was brutal <laughs> uh but uh the ref came over me in the intermission he's like hey congratulations but uh just to let you know I almost blew the whistle because I couldn't see the puck and I was like if you would have blown the whistle, you would have been great. You know, I don't know. How, I, I That's my only NHL goal. So if you would have taken that away. I would have had zero on, on the board all, all my career. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I, I still have the puck framed. I look at it. It gives me a little smile every now and then. And that's awesome. Um, it's, it was a great, great time. Great thing for me. You got one of the coolest experiences ever that season, in my opinion. And what I would probably argue is, the best winter classic that there's been. I mean, you got to play at the big house in Ann Arbor, you know, original six matchup. It was literally out of a movie with the snow and the scene and the, the and biggest crowd ever at an NHL game. What I hate to ask the question so vaguely, but like, what was that? Like, it must've been pretty damn cool. It's pretty cool too, that you mentioned earlier that uh, the big house was right, right across from where you were playing when you were younger too. So I'm sure there's a lot of emotions there. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> to tell you on that, like that was the best time of my life, you know, playing back in the day, you'd play on ponds and when it's snowing a little bit there, it was perfect. It was snowing, maybe a little too much, but you know, the crowd 110,000, like you said, right across from, you know, where I used to go to high school at the program, people I know were in the stands. It was the most perfect thing ever. And, you know, we got the win and, but before that it was a little nerve wracking because, uh, like I said, it was snowing pretty, it was snowing, but it was snowing bad. So before the game, we had, we have two buses, one leaves early and one leaves a little later for guys who don't want to get there too early. So we were, I was on a later bus and we got caught in just traffic snow. So we were showed up like 30 minutes before warmups. So we're, everybody's nervous and, and coming in and all of a sudden we have like no time to warm up. We just get our gear on and go right on the ice. But you know, that was the only hiccup, but like I said, it was, it was the best game, you know, as, as many, I think I played like six and a half minutes, but it was the best six and a half minutes I could ever play to, to have that, to put the, you know, eye black on your, on your uh, cheeks and just to be in that whole environment. Like it, it was just a fun time. We, we had a great time and, and to look to the guy next to you and just be like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like yeah. that, that's cool to say, you know, especially, you know, when you're playing the game you love and it's, it's just really cool. Was it hard to focus during that? Like, I imagine, like, you know, like, let's say you're in an NHL arena that holds about 20,000, and then you look up, and that's now five times bigger. Like, it, is that, like, really disorienting, or what was that like? I loved it. I I was looking in the crowds trying to see if I could see people I knew, but they were too <laughs> like, I need, like, some binoculars. <laughs> but it wasn't really a distraction. It was more just joy. Like, you're – you're sitting there. I remember in warmups, I was stretching out, just looking around and you're just like, wow, like this isn't, this has to be a dream. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, was, it was great. The only side effect to that was there's too much snow. The the snow people came out every like second shift and you're like, all right, there's no, there's nothing. It's just like the guys this year with the melting ice. 
yeah. you, know, you have your problems, but you know, they're pretty good. They're, they're always good with, you know, getting that quickly so we can go back to have a chance to, to not have a pound of ice on your stick with the puck on it too. So uh, that was cool. I, I mean, obviously like you just mentioned different circumstances, th- this year's winter classic where the sun became a huge issue. And then uh, obviously when you played, there was a shit ton of snow. So I'm wondering if you can snow aside, like how much different is like the ice itself or the conditions when you're versus playing inside? Obviously I know three feet of snow is going to impact that, but was it like, Oh, the boards don't bounce as much. Or is there any like, you know, ticky tacky stuff that might throw you off? Tell you what, I wasn't even really focused on that. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Like I said, I was just in the moment. There could have been 10 pounds of snow on the ice. I would have been like, screw it. I'm still here. Yeah. And, and having a great time, you know, nothing really shot out to us, you know, maybe the, maybe the boards were not as you know the same or the ice wasn't as, as good, or maybe it was even better, but I, I to be true, brutally honest, I couldn't, couldn't even tell you. Cause I was just in the moment, you know, nothing could have brought me down. Uh, well, maybe a loss would have, but you know, <laughs> or a stick to the face, but other than that, it was, it was all good. What were and, some of the characters in that Maple Leaf locker room? Like you mentioned Phil Castle, who we've, you know, we all know Phil's a little bit of a, an interesting guy. And then guys like Colt Knorr, who are just, you know, terrifying. And then guys like Dion Phaneuf, who are equally as terrifying. What, you know, what were those guys like? Uh, funny, hilarious. Dion and, and Phil would like to have a <laughs> battle every now and then just to hear those guys chirp at each other was, was entertainment in itself. Um, you know, and like I said before, you, you, I've always grown up idolizing these guys, you know, Colton or used to play for the Rangers here. I'm sitting on a line with them. And the, this is another thing about Orzy was, I remember we had, he was with the Marlies and we came on a road trip and he came on the, during the plane, everybody's, you know, you have a suit and a shirt. Um, usually guys wear like buttons all the way up. Uh, with one last, he had, you know, three buttons off, like two change. And he had this ring, like a skull ring with two rubies in it. And like, I thought this guy was going to eat me. Uh, he was so terrifying. <laughs> the nicest guy though. Like you talk to this guy, you, you see these guys, you know, fighters or whatever, you know, Dion, you see him as this guy who, you know, big hitter, mean, but they're great human beings. Like Dion took me out to dinner. He treated me with the utmost respect and, and I treated him with the utmost respect because he gave that to me. And Orzy the same way. And Phil, you know, is Phil. Um. <laughs> we got it. Wait, we got we got to talk about this because my I, I'm a huge Penguins fan. I know my family is gonna end up listening to diehard Penguins. What is Phil like? Just the funniest guy, or is he like weird? Like I gotta know. I, I don't know. He he's just like that's why he's just Phil. Like, hey, come on, Randy, or hey, come on, like just. He always said a like way too much to try to be Canadian. I don't know, yeah. but you know, that was just how he was. He, and the fact is he was so good. It didn't even matter. Like you're just like this. Hey, and I'll go out and score, you know, two goals. And you'd be like, Oh, I don't know how he does it with that body, but he just does. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm pretty sure I remember this correctly. Did you guys get one of those HBO 24 seven features? leading up so did you get did you get were you like in it at all like is there a portion where they like talk to you oh yeah i got i got stuck with the we played the credit card game and oh no okay so they i got in there a couple of times like for the goal 
uh, they got that on there. Um, they got me like talking about the pioneer high school being so close to there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they got that. And the funny thing about that story is, you know, there's seven of us in like this nice room. They got the camera cameras on us eating. And meanwhile, like Phil Dion and like two other guys are having Bozak and another guy were having dinner outside, just like watching us, like, <laughs> uh, screw you guys. You got it. You had to be there. And, and I didn't mind it. I was getting, trying to get as much TV time as I could. Uh, for uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Hey, if, if I had to pay a, a $700 bill for dinner, that, that was fine with me, but I was pretty pissed that they didn't pick up the tab outside because seven <laughs> you know, million dollars more than me. So yeah. still waiting for that check back from them whenever they want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. That's funny. Um, last question about Toronto, Carlisle. I've heard great stories. What's, what's, what's he all about? Um, so he never really talked to the young guys or the, the call-ups unless you you got his respect or you're one of the the Kessels or the Bosacks. Um, I was so intimidated by the guy. I just was hoping he didn't bench me. So I always was, you yeah. know, yes, sir, no, sir, never talked back. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where I think the most he's ever said to me was, Jerry, you going out next or um, – <laughs> <laughs> yeah meanwhile well, phil, phil like chirped him right like i saw that in that 24 7 feature they chirped and, each other phil had a, had a weird relationship yeah. um, i you know i was i was only there for a couple months so i don't know how that right you know, went to, from that to you know phil doing that but you know that's the difference he respected the older guys more than he did the younger guys so i had to earn his trust i had to earn a lot of things and i wasn't going to open my mouth because that would have meant you know, me getting benched or me getting sent down. So I was trying to be hush-hush and, you know, do as best I could to, to get in his good books. Sorry, I don't got any good stories about him. <laughs> but, no, you're all good. No, Mac, good. you got you got a question? Well, I was just going to uh, talk about kind of the, the move to Springfield and Buffalo and Rochester and sort of that whole different system. And, and how was that uh, compared to your, your time with a Canadian NHL team? I know obviously – Buffalo is about as close as it can get to Canada without being in Canada. But what was the differences uh, between those two squads for you? Um, well, Columbus was a short stint for me. Um, didn't really have a good outing there. Um, but it was good that, you know, I, I went to, you know, a team that was a New York team. always wanted to play for a New York team. And I went to actually the AHL coach was Chad Cassidy, who was my U.S. Uh, assistant coach in the national team. So I was in a good situation. You know, there's a lot of differences between Toronto and Buffalo. You know, I love Toronto. I was there for four or five, five years and it was the best time of my life. And I'm not really big on change, but I think that change was for, for, for good. And, you know, I had a good time up there. My whole thing is meeting guys that, you know, I've idolized, you know, or, or dreamed about being like, uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, just being in a locker room with some of these guys and saying like, Hey, like I, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rochester guy, uh, Brian, Brian Gianto was on that team. No, Gianto was in, in there. And, you know, I'm like, this guy was a New York boy, just like me. Um, so I, I liked it. I, I love being, anytime you're in the NHL, it's, it's a great thing. It's just, there's two different organizations. One's the media is crazy in Toronto. And then in Buffalo, it's not so crazy. Now they got a lot of heat on them because they're losing so many games, but um, <laughs> you know, I had great, great times in both of them. 
Um, I'm glad I got the opportunity to play in, in both, uh, you know, Buffalo and Toronto. I wish I could have stayed in Toronto my whole life, but you know, this, this job is not secure. It's, you're always moving. You're going to get traded on the, at any time, you know, whether you're on the toilet or, you know, you're on it, you're playing a game. So um, that's the nature of it. And I, I had a blast, you know, in both places. Speaking of moving, you know, after Buffalo, you, you make the decision to go over to Europe where I believe you played in Finland first, if I'm not mistaken, what was that, you know, decision-making process like, and how did you decide on Finland as opposed to, you know, Sweden, Germany, Russia, or something like that? So at that time I was a free agent and I didn't have a good year in Rochester the next year. So it kind of left me with no really good options in North America because they're, they have this rule of being a veteran. So, you know, they're only a lot of five veterans and they're not just going to, they're, they're more of developing young guys. Uh, you see that now more, more relevantly through, you know, teams now just wanting to produce their young guys and get them. For them to guide you, you know, to being a good pro. So from then, you know, my agent said, listen, there's not a lot of offers in the AHL. I got a great offer for you in Finland. You know, you go there, you have a good year, good things can happen. And I was just like, you know what? Okay, let's, let's see what Finland has to offer. And I was like, all right, let's go. Went to the darkest, coldest place. And <laughs> what's going on? Um, but that, that's not a chirp. It's just, that's, that's how their country is. I had a great time uh, at a great year of hockey there. I was exposed to, you know, many things I would have never done, you know, going in a sauna and then plunging into a frozen lake. Who would, who would do that? You know, only, <laughs> only crazy people, but I, I did it. Um, but that's just some of those things you learn your different cultures and, you know, you get to travel the world. And I, I went to Finland, had a great year and, and spent the next year in Finland. And, you know, it was a great time. I've, uh, you know, I, I actually, I was a swimmer growing up as well. And I had, a have had that experience before of doing the sauna lake thing and it, it's not fun, uh, but it, it's kind of exhilarating at the same time. Uh, you lit it up, you know, another one of these leagues where you just go in and your first year, you sort of light it up. You had 33 points in 48 regular season games. You did play for two clubs in Finland in two years. Which one did you, did you have like a better experience in one or were they just sort of, you know, equally as good and just different? Uh, they were different. And the next year I got injured. Um, okay. so that was kind of a downfall, but I mean, I was there with Sammy Kapanen was our head coach and oh, he had a, the, the difference between both teams was on the one, the first year in Ilvis, there was no North Americans on the team. There was one, but then they, they released him. And then I got another one and then they released him. So I was only with Finnish guys. So it was pretty lonely there. Um, you know, obviously I made some good friends there, but it's nice to have, you know, North American guys to, you know, Hey, let's go out to eat or, um, Hey, let's go do this today. But there really is nothing to do besides walk or go to the <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, the next year I, I was with uh, Ryan Wilson and uh, Matthew Mione. So those guys were there and that was a little bit better where, you know, I got to experience, you know, a couple more things to do besides, you know, just in the, in the room making dinners, having Sunday uh, football, you know, getting red zone on and, and making some uh, football snacks. So it was, you know, two different places. Um, you know, obviously I liked where you're being more successful and, and having a good hockey season, but you know, hockey is all about 
you know, a couple things more than just being good at hockey. It's about building relationships, making friends, having lost lasting friendships. And, you know, I can go back there and, and hang out with people I've met and, and they'll take me in to their home. Like, you know, I was one of their family. So that's the thing. It's, it's a little bigger than hockey than, you know, a lot of people think we're, we're all human at the end of it. And, you know, we create these relationships and have these experiences to, to enjoy life and, and to make impacts on people. So I, I really enjoyed, you know, having that experience there. Yeah. Well said. I mean, did you make any, uh, NFL fans out of some Finnish guys? <laughs> yeah. So we, we always invited like one new guy or everybody would hear about what we were doing. And they're like, Hey Jerry, can I come? I'm like, sure. Like just <laughs> a couple sodas or beers, like whatever, man, like let's go. And we watch it. We watched the Super Bowl. I think it was at uh, three or 4 a.m. Uh, the one year. So we, uh, wow. We got so a lot of guys into it. And I, I know the next year I, I, we still were uh, really close and Wilson was still on the team. He said they had a fantasy draft and he said they were all terrible. He just ran show. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, That's taking, awesome. Yeah. They were all taking quarterbacks the first round. They didn't know. Oh no. So I'm like, man, you got to tell them that's a little bit of a cheating tactic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's taking advantage. Yeah. See Tom Brady, take him number one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think that's what happened too. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> Uh, and then after two seasons uh, in Finland, you go over to Germany. And I'm curious what the comparison is to Finland between, you know, I've never been to either, so I can't really speak to it. But was there a, a big cultural difference? Is the hockey different? Like, man, you got to live. You got to get out in the world. I know. Well, right <laughs> now, it's a little tough right now, but we're getting yeah. there. I know. Well, man, Oktoberfest was right there. We Okay, uh, you convinced me. Sold. Yeah. Uh, it's not this year, next year, maybe. But um, no, it, yeah. it's a little different so the, the hockey's different in ways of it's a little more skilled um in finland and in germany it there's skill but it's more of a north american style and you're allowed 10 imports compared to four imports in finland um so we had i think on we had a north american coach doug shedden um our assistant coach was german and american uh you know we had canadian Germans and American Germans. So it was basically like a North American feel there, which made you kind of feel at home. You know, guys are in, like I said, you, you search for guys to have good times because, you know, you go to your job, you know, what do you do after your job when you had a hard day at work, you go, you know, hang out, you go have a beer, talk about how terrible your boss is or, um, you know, how, you know, Joey missed an empty net and cost you the game. Um, so, you know, we had a good time just enjoying, you know, having, great bus rides and things like that, that, you know, you don't get to experience, you know, I mean, you get to experience, but not having fun with it. And, and, uh, you know, I know my wife had a good time having the VIP lounge, having the free wine, me coming up there after the games. Oh yeah. Her being, uh, having a little too much, but (laughs) (laughs) relatable. (laughs) He told me he gets nervous and watching me get hit out there. She's like, I need to have a couple drinks to, to help me, uh, yeah a little bit so i'm like okay whatever uh, works right whatever works but you know i loved it it was great hockey um you know i still talk to the guys that uh, i played on the team with there i keep close to contact this year was a little crazier with mm-hmm. signing there with uh, my wife's pregnant so we had to decide to stay back in north america this year so it was uh you know I, i'll probably be back there next year and years following so we'll see what happens but uh, it was well, great time when i was there speaking of your wife being pregnant uh 
you know, I've seen the gender reveal that you did with, with the solar bears on social media. That was fantastic. So congratulations. It's a boy, if I'm not mistaken. It is a boy. And uh, yeah, the gender reveals are, you know, looked down upon now, which hey, everybody has their opinion, but we had a great time with it. And um, we thought it was a girl the whole way. So my reaction was just <laughs> oh, it was priceless. Right. Awesome. Yeah, like, it, people are like, did you know? I'm like, did you see my face? <laughs> um, but no, it was great, man. I, I loved it. Gender reveals are all good as long as you're not setting the forests on fire in California. More people <laughs> should go to ice rinks for them, I think. You're setting right. a good example. <laughs> you got to have a controlled environment and be surrounded with people that are like, basically, I celebrated a goal after. You know, if you saw in the video, like I, all the boys came over, it was, it was great. And, um, you know, after, afterwards the coach was like, man, like, you guys are pretty close, huh? And I'm like, yeah, duh. Like, come on. Like we just celebrated a great thing that just happened. And, yeah. and we're a hockey team. Like we, we do a lot of things together. We're close. So. No, absolutely. What's the, uh, what's the, you, your time been like with the solar bears, which by the way, that has to be the coolest name for a hockey team ever. So, and jerseys. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get one of those jerseys. <laughs> yeah. They do like, uh, we had a hog Avenger night. We were the, we had Hulk jerseys the one night. It's, uh, <laughs> it's cool down here. You know, I've, you know, a lot of people look down on this league and, and thinks, you know, think bad of it, but you know what, it's hockey. And you know, there's, there's people trying to make it, you know, to play in the AHL to, to, to better themselves, to play in Europe you know, they're trying to prolong their dream and, you know, it's a league at the end of the day. So I have had a great experience here. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that me and my wife came not knowing too much about. And, uh, we've, we've had a time, a great time with it. You know, we're in, in Orlando, it's a great city. Uh, it's sunny and I'm getting a great tan. So <laughs> and I get to play hockey. And I, I think a lot of things you, you go to all these different countries and, you know, it's hard to enjoy life when you go to practice and then you come back because it's snowing outside. You can't really do much. You're not used to, um, you know, restaurants or things to do. So for us to have this, um, to go out, sit by the pool or to, you know, it's such a good rehab for your mind to, to go to work, work on your game and then come back and just digest, you know, what just happened and, you know, sit in the sun or sit by the pool or, you know, go and, and do things. 100%. I'm a, yeah, I'm a little bit familiar with that area. I was actually down in reunion use, uh, recently, um, unreal golf down there. I know you guys as a team just recently had a golf tournament. How was that? It's great. The boys won. Yeah. We had a, we had a big W there. A lot of, a lot of people, uh, thought we were cheating, but you know, when you're on fire and you're playing good golf, like that's, that's hard to, that's hard to say, you know, no to, but, um, yeah, we had a, a good time we played orange County and, um, one of the better golf courses down here i've gotten better at my golf game now that the weather's great and um, i need something to do to uh to get some sunshine and work on my swing what are you shooting if you don't mind me asking oh man it's okay it can't be worse than me i promise same here um, i've been shooting 90s but oh, yeah, don't be ashamed of that i'm usually like 85 somewhere around there but yeah. you know the fact that we're just out there i'm i i I usually don't even golf in the summer because I'm training like it's on, you know, and this is a, a great time to, to get out and, and have a little fun too. Yeah. You, you don't be mad at yourself for that. It could be a whole lot worse. I promise. Yeah. 
and you don't even golf in the summer. Think if you practice all the time and you can't even break a hundred. So I might, I might switch careers and become a golf guy. Well, not, <laughs> I was doing nineties, but uh, I'd have to get a lot better. Yeah. I mean, at the rate, all of our interview guests, I think we're going to end up going through the whole East coast league at the rate we're going. It's pretty funny. Um, but we, we got a lot of stingray guys that come on and stuff, but it definitely seems like uh, the golf has been good to the teams in the warmer weather, especially during the pandemic. It's been a good mental relief for everybody. So, Oh yeah, definitely. Nick, I'm always curious. Yeah. I'm always curious to ask, you know, guys that are in your position, what's something, you know, like a hobby you have, or just like something you enjoy doing that's able, you know, allows you to take your mind off the game and just sort of recharge. Do you have like something like that that you're into? Uh, (laughs) I used to do puzzles. I don't do those anymore. Uh, just takes too much time. I get a headache, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to be a reader doesn't hasn't worked worked out well um i don't even know i you know a lot of guys play video games i sometimes play video games um no hobbies i I wish i had them golf golf is my new hobby now um you know that was one of the things or catching up with friends you know you got a lot of time on your hands just to make a phone call to somebody you haven't you know talked to in a while so uh i've been i've been doing that and i wish i had something cool to say but you know, I don't want to lie to you guys. Puzzles are cool. I think my parents have done like 85 puzzles since the pandemic started. So they'll appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, my mom used to do them when we were on vacation and I'd always go and help her like find the pieces. And she's like, why are you so quick at doing that? I'm like, <laughs> from hockey, I, this happened. But uh, I'm thinking three steps ahead. Yeah, that's, that's how it was. I would always get the corners done. I'm like, all right, I did my part. See ya. <laughs> Do, uh, do you keep up with the, with the league today or do you kind of tune it out? We know some people, some guys who are playing intensely, you know, they follow it and some guys just want to decompress. Are you talking about like NHL or any NHL action? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love watching highlights. I think that's good for, for hockey players to see, you know, who's the best in the league or like what the top cream of the crop is. Like that's, that's where you learn most of your, your moves or, you know, how people are playing, like that's, that's where you should be watching. You know, you shouldn't, you know, be watching TV and watching golf, but I mean, it happens. Right. Right. Uh, But I watch it and, you know, I don't watch games a lot. I'll watch the highlights because that's the coolest part about it. Right. Right. Yeah. All the goals, you don't have to go through the boring dump and chases or anything like that. (laughs) Uh, But no, it's, it's fun for me to watch, especially some of these young guys now that they're just tearing it up and making, uh, me rethink if I ever want to be back in the NHL, there's no chance of that happening. So uh, screw those guys, but <laughs> great to any, watch. Any predictions or are you not, not in a place to give us, give us that? I mean, heck, I, no predictions. I, I don't even, you know, follow how, especially how hockey is any team can win. And, right. and that's the great thing about hockey where that's what's so cool about it. Yeah. Yeah, you get those seven game series and, you know, whoever wants it more, you know, obviously there's talent and, and coaching and, and structure of, of the teams. And, you know, that definitely helps, but there's another element. I think a lot of people are beginning to see that, that hockey brings of, you know, rather than, you know, basketball where, you know, you know, an eighth seed is going to lose to the one seed and, and in hockey that we've had the Kings win the one year when they're in a seed. So it's, that's the element of surprise. I think a lot of people, you know, start to see and, and they like that about it. It's not set in stone who's going to win or who's going to lose. 
any players that you're just like, you know, you know, I know you said growing up, you were always drawn to players as opposed to teams, any specific players that you're, you know, following their, their career path. Now. I love to watch like old guys I used to play with. Um, Cam Fowler used to be my roommate in the U S program, Paul Mary, um, Gabe, I, I, I still like to see Landis Gog out there. You know, those guys, you, you just, you root for them. You, you want them to do mm-hmm. good. I'm not going to root for Joe Schmo who just got a call up because I don't know him. I don't know him as a guy. He's probably a great guy, but I'd rather follow a, a guy that I've, you know, played with or, you know, pass him the puck to say, Hey, listen, I used to pass that guy the puck. He used to snipe and, or, you know, we were at the best line in junior or, or something like that. It, you know, that's what I like or enjoy more than, you know, just kind of, watching random guys right well uh you know we've, we've kept you for a while here and we appreciate your time and uh you know this has been awesome very fun and uh we wish you the best of luck going forward yeah thank you so much yeah no thank you this is uh it's nice to kind of chat about old memories and and to to get and talk about it so i appreciate you guys having me it was a great time for me Big thanks to Jerry for an awesome interview. I had a ton of fun with that one. I know you guys did too. And we hope you guys enjoyed that. He's just got, you know, so many great stories. Like Harry, you mentioned at the beginning from the the Winter Classic to, you know, playing in Toronto and what that was like. And then uh, his stories about playing in Europe and, you know, ultimately getting to do that awesome gender reveal with the Solar Bears is is pretty cool. So uh, definitely a special get for us. Good impressions too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, very good impressions. The Kessel one just, it, it's <laughs> yeah, cool. That sent me. Uh, one thing I do want to say that I liked is that, did you notice near the end, he said, you know, my goal is to get back there. I, I respect that. I really, yeah. I really like that. I think he's 30 years old. You know, he's, he's not giving up. He's good. Wants to get back into the NHL You know, he's got a kid on the way. So exciting things for Jerry and wishing him the best of luck going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's jump into our gambling stuff for the episode. But before we do, we just want to let everyone know that this gambling advice is brought to you by the Maryland Mortgage Wiz. Are you planning on buying your first home this year? Get pre-approved and explore all your financing options with Dave Fritz, the Mortgage Wiz. Interest rates are at historic low and down payment assistance programs are available. Stop running and put your money in a place that you can call home. Follow Dave on Instagram at Maryland underscore mortgage underscore whiz for more information. Dave is licensed in Maryland, Delaware, and Florida. Equal housing lender NMLS number 3094. All right, Harry, what's the word? What do you like from last week's action? All right. So as I mentioned uh, right before the interview, I do believe that there is now a goaltending controversy in Toronto. Freddie Anderson's been out. Jack Campbell's been getting some starts here recently, and he is 6-0 and for the Leafs so far this season. He's putting up great numbers. Uh, one thing that I would definitely keep an eye on, uh, in light of the Bieber curse that we mentioned last week, is that if Jack Campbell is between the pipes, I'd say you're good to go. Uh, he's, he's undefeated, as we just mentioned, so that's something to look for here. Speaking of goaltenders, which seems to be the theme for me lately, UC Soros of the Nashville Predators is playing some of the best hockey that you will ever witness. Here's a stat for you. He has the fifth longest streak of all time with consecutive games allowing one or fewer goals against. He's done that seven straight games as of today, March 30th. The Predators are playing tonight, March 30th, but I believe that Pekka Rene is projected to be in net. But if you get Soros between the pipes, I mean, you're good to bet the under for sure, I would say. And you're probably good to bet the Predators puck line, which we all know. 
It's my patent. Here bet. we go again. It's my patent. So, bet. I've Spin- seen this movie a thousand times before, <laughs> and I already know how it ends. We need a Predator's Puckline shirt. I'll wear the shit out of it. Uh, I will I'll- say we we touched on uh, Saros a bit last week because I believe when he kind of caught my eye was when he was playing that Panthers game that you and I went balls to the wall on, and he almost stole it from us. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he's been on an absolute tear and I think the predators have really flown under the radar, like, and then suddenly now they're just like right there. They're like right there with all the other teams and they might be able to sneak into a playoff spot if they keep it up. I don't even know if sneaking is the right term. They're in the playoffs as of right now and they're red hot. Uh, we'll get into that in our market report, but I would not want to be playing the predators right now. They've definitely turned it on. Makes me wonder what they're going to do with Matias Ekholm if they think they can make a run, because uh, that was the big talk of the town for the trade deadline. Some other things worth noting: the Red Wings are five, four, and one in their last ten. They are officially above five hundred in their last ten. They're always underdogs, so something to keep an eye on if you're uh, a daredevil. I do have a bet against them tonight, so hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. Uh, the Flyers. <clears throat> especially with Carter Hart's performance so far this season, the Flyers over has hit more than any other team so far this season. Surprising, I know, but it's not even close. The over for the Flyers is 24 and 10 as of today, March 30th. I believe the next closest team had like a percentage. It wasn't even close. I think the next closest team was like, you know, 16 and 14 or something like that. So uh, the Flyers are by far and away the best team to bet the over on so far this season as evidenced by the shit pumping that the fucking Sabres gave us last night drink. Um, The Capitals, I'll let Nick and Max suck them off later. I'm not going to go into detail, but yeah, they're really good. Gladly. Yes. Um, Brian Rust, I'd be, you know, remissed. Remissed? Is that the right word? I'd be remissed if I didn't mention Remiss. Remissed. (laughs) I don't think there's a T on the end. No, S S E D remissed. I would remissed. be I past think, tense. I would be remissed. I think you remissed this one. It's a uh... fuck. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> it's just remiss. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't go. mention Brian Rust. Is the context right? The tense of the word is less important. Than I know the it sounds weird, but that is the correct. Yeah. God one. damn it! All right. I would be remiss. If I didn't mention Brian Rust, uh, he's been having a monster season. I love his prop bets to get a goal. He's just had, he's literally just breaking out right before our eyes. So Brian Rust prop bets uh, for goals. You can usually get them around plus 140, plus 150. So I would definitely hop on that. Uh, I'll shut up. I don't know my English. So, yeah. I've noticed that, and I'm sure everyone else has too, but the over in the Caps game is usually a lock. Like it's very similar to what you said about the Flyers. The Caps, it's a little bit different. It's, you know, they're good for about four goals a game themselves. So barring that Sammy or Vanacek post a shutout, you're probably going to get the over. And it's, it's worked out for me recently. I've actually been sort of laying the juice on them a little bit there, but it's never an easy thing to, to bet on the over against the team that you want to win, unless you want them to go out, you know, do what the Rangers did to the, the Flyers, like, you know, nine, nothing, but that really doesn't happen all that often. So uh, that, and then just, you know, the other thing that I think everyone needs to start keeping in mind is the trade deadline. It's two weeks away. It's going to be on April 12th. It's going to be here before you know it. And 
that always turns, you know, the betting world upside down in my opinion. So especially in the NHL. No doubt. One thing I've been looking at with betting, I mentioned it last week, but it's even more uh, important as we get closer to the season wrapping up is, um, you know, just these season series between teams. I mean, a lot of these teams are going to be playing their last two last one games against each other. Um, And you look at those, I, I forget who it was, but the other day I was like, Oh, these two teams are playing each other. Let's see. Um, what happened in the first couple games against each other. And I noticed it was literally like the second time, second to last game already that they're playing each other this year. So as we get closer to that final matchup or that second to last matchup between two teams, take a look at what's happened in the first one, you know, or in the first six or seven games, if you notice that a certain team really hasn't won except maybe once or twice, then maybe go with them. Cause chances are most of these uh, season series are going to finish four to three or five to two or whatever, you know, something like that. So, um, and then the other thing is I've done this. I'm not going to say almost every game because that's unrealistic, but I've done this at least like once or twice a week, the whole season is bet $8 on OV to score a goal eight for eight, just cause it's good luck or whatever, but it's eight for eight because it's plus 100 every single game, literally every single game, this entire season, the value for Ovi to score just one goal is plus a hundred. So if you're feeling good about it, he's been hot. Even I just double checked today, even with as hot as he has been, which I know Nick is going to get into in a little bit, as hot as he's been, it's still just plus a hundred for him to score a goal. So I like that one a lot. That's a great bet. I love what you said about, you know, season series and teams playing each other, because I think one of my least favorite stats and something that I always hate that, you know, broadcast crews bring up is when two teams, especially in the first round, are meeting in a playoff series, they go, here's what the regular season series looked like between these two teams. And in any other season, that's like four games max. And you're like, eh, it was the Mm -hmm. regular season. They play 82 games. It could have been off of a back-to-back. You know, This means nothing. That stat this year, I think, is going to be very, very sort of... Telling. Yes. Like, of, there you go. Come back. Save the day of, you know, what this series is going to be like, because odds are they've already played a full seven game series against each other. So yeah, I think that's definitely something to look out for. For sure. Uh, Let's move on to the first liner, fourth liner segment. I'll get us started. So for first liner, just talked about him. UC Soros. He's definitely going to be uh, my guy this week. Like I said, fifth longest streak all time, one or less goals. And he is six and one in his last seven starts. And according to NHL discussion power rankings, uh, the Nashville Predators are the number one team in the league, power rankings-wise, according to NHL discussion, which I don't necessarily disagree with either. It's kind of crazy. I think there's a lot of recency bias in those power rankings, not just theirs, but I think a lot of people in general. It's basically like who's the hottest team right now, not who's the most complete team right now. So, And that's fair. I do not think the Predators are the best team. I think that Iron Kingdom thing that they do is um, the power rank, as I mentioned, is like a weekly recap. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's an overall picture. No, like who was the best team over the last week? Right. And yeah. I think Nashville's definitely there. Uh, and then my fourth liner, I'm going to have Patrick Line. He has one goal in his last 15 games. Uh, Mac tweeted this and I couldn't agree more. I just kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> like I do too. And call me crazy, but I don't think he's going to be a blue jacket for no, longer not, than a year and a half. Not a chance. And if you look at uh, 
couple of Puck Empire's posts. There are several reporters, Elliot Friedman included. He's apparently going to demand $9 million plus. And I don't know how you have that kind of power when you're not producing. I don't care what coach you play for, whether it's torts or you're on the Jets. It's just I don't see it. I wouldn't pay him above $9 million. That's Sounds more like than Crosby an, makes. Right. Sounds like an arbitration deal waiting to happen. What yeah. is what does McKinnon make? Like six, five and a half, something like that? Yeah, dude. I mean, Line in my opinion, would be lucky at this point to get something like that. Yeah. I'd say he's like a five and a half to seven guy, somewhere in that yeah, ballpark. That's fair. On the right team, he's there. But you know what he should do? Do a one or two year, go to a good team, see if you light it up, bet on yourself. You're only, what, 23? I mean, if that. Shit, he's got a while to go. So. I couldn't agree more. He should definitely sign like a one or two deal, one or two year deal with a very good team with some help for once around him. I mean, the Jets, they've got some guys, but like it just wasn't, you know, he, he needs to find the right fit for him. He hasn't found it yet. And I feel and- bad for him too. And if he's playing with, I mean, God forbid, let's say he went to Tampa and he's playing with those guys who are going to make him look incredible. Yeah. Then your value goes through the roof. Exactly. And then suddenly now you can sign your five-year deal for nine mil or whatever. Right. Then Vegas will be able to pay him the stupid amount of money. Ugh, Vegas. Don't don't ask me why. I I just... uh, I just I can see him in Vegas. I foresaw it in my brain. I feel like he's going to go to Philly or something. I saw fly, I saw that flyer orange uniform right there in my brain. I don't know why, but we'll see. I feel like he'd have more issues there. I, I think would not disagree with that. Columbus <laughs> is going to be like, look, like this is like the one sort of superstar-ish talent player we have offensively. You're going to have to give us a lot to get yeah. him. I mean, the yeah. thing is he can't go to a team. I think we just learned by, by seeing what he's done in Columbus that he can't go to a team – where as soon as he gets there, everyone's like, oh, thank God you're here. We need you here so bad. He's not the X factor. Exactly. He can't yet, at least, go to a team and do that. It's too much pressure for the kid right now. So, Yeah. Yeah. Nick, do you want to go? Yeah, my first liner is going to be Ovi. He's got 11 goals in his last 11 games, and he's hot right now. Um, There was a great meme. I saw someone post this. I forget who. Um, It was like two – it was the – it was from the Simpsons. It was the two Flanders kids in the back seat of their car, like looking out the window and Homer's chasing them on a bike. And it said above Homer's head, it said Ovi. And then the kids were uh, McDavid and Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, he looks great. So uh, Ovi woke up, which is great because obviously he missed some time this year. So it's good to see him, you know, get back into the swing of things. He's scoring in a lot of different ways too. He had two, uh, in that game, I forget who that was against. Was that against the Islanders? Are you talking about the Rangers game? Yeah, the Rangers game. Got yeah. like the two identical goals. Yeah, just, just right cleaning up the, the trash in front of the yeah. net. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, Love to see it. Uh, and then, of course, he's got the absolute rocket launcher from the from the office that he's loved to put on display as well. So, yeah, Ovi's – he's looking like old Ovi right now. And then my fourth liner is going to have to be Carter Hart. So health bombed for the next two games. Has not been playing well at all. I uh, don't want to beat the kid up. He's young. You know, I think he's like, what, 22, something like that. You know, yeah, he's something like that. Take a step back, reset yourself. <clears throat> obviously, like obviously a generational talent goaltender going down the road. So uh, I, it, I'm sure it's just a, a small setback for him. For sure. And then my first liner is going to be Gabe Landeskog. This is a guy I was a little bit iffy on early in the season. I was like, where, where are the, classic Gabe numbers that I'm used to seeing. 
he has climbed right back up and he's been doing well. He's got five goals and eight assists in his last eight games. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's doing his job finally, which is good to see. Uh, fourth liner, um, you know, this may or may not be fair, but I think Jack Hughes is my fourth liner this week. Um, he had a really hot stretch and he looked really good for a little while there, but he's actually only got three goals and one assist in his last 17. So that's not really, I can't believe that. That's I know crazy. That's, that's not the numbers that you need. And it's probably just because I picked him up on my fantasy team, that he's so <laughs> but you know, maybe what? I should uh, release him and let him go. But I would be, I would honestly bet that all four of those points came in that two game series against the Penguins about a week ago. I'm not even joking because he looked incredible in those two games. I I think they all four came in the span of like a couple days because everybody was like, holy shit. Yeah, Jack Hughes, but he's been really hot or cold all season. Which I think is just a learning thing for someone that young. Like obviously his defensive game has so much to improve on. And obviously that's from going from, like the U S national development under 18 team to the NHL. So, right. and I mean, that's why I open with this may or may not be fair. Cause obviously, you know, it was similar to what you said about Carter Hart. You hate burning young guys. Like right. It, and like, you know, you're a fourth liner. You suck right now. But I mean, the segment's just to highlight who's been kind of cold yeah, lately. Exactly. So. No, you're, you're all good. I mean, Hey, the devil sucks. So how much pressure can you put on, <laughs> but not as much as the Sabres drink. Uh, Going to go to the market report now. Uh, guess who my up team is? Let's see if you guys can guess based on this episode. Talking to listeners. You guessed it, the Nashville Predators. They have possession of fourth playoff spot in the Central. They're riding a five-game winning streak going into the night. I believe they play Dallas tonight, uh, Tuesday when we're recording. Seven and three in their last ten, and they arguably have the hottest goalie in the league. So, yeah, it's kind of hard not to pick them. And my down team. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they suffered a horrible loss to the Red Wings in this past week. They are 3-4-3 three, and three in their last 10. They've lost four straight games, and I believe they play Tampa tonight, so that's not going to go too hot if I had to guess. And Torts is on the hot seat. I think the fact that the GM had to come out and publicly state that he's not on the hot seat usually means he's on the hot seat. If the media is talking about it, it means it's there's something I, – I feel like they're like, – Okay, I shouldn't say that because fucking Darren Drager said Crosby's going to Colorado and he's an idiot. But um, in this kind of controversy of like, you know, inner season play type shit, there's usually something there, I think. You know, like in your car where like you turn like the seat heater on and it's got like three bars are like your options, you know, for yeah. like heat level. I give him two bars. Okay, that's a really good know. analogy. Thanks. Yeah. You must drive a nice car. I Oh, <laughs> soon I will. Yeah. Did you, you uh, did you guys see the torts press conference recently where um, I, I, it may have been after that Red Wings game? I don't know. But uh, I saw it on Instagram this morning where somebody asked him about like a goalie interference call or something like that. And he literally just like puts his hands over his head <laughs> like this. And he just like looks at them and he's like, God, who the hell cares? Who cares? <laughs> And he's like, we just got our ass kicked. You're asking me about a goalie interference call from the first period. I don't care. Nobody cares. And then he like reels it in for a second. He's like, I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect, <laughs> but I'm just like, you guys are killing me here. And everyone's just like, yeah, right. Stop. Somebody let the air out of the balloon again. Yeah. I, I love torts. It, it doesn't really make sense how Columbus is this bad so far. 
I mean, you know, they're looking like, I mean, early knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, tough division, but also early knee-jerk reaction. Dubois looks pretty good for the Jets, and they're climbing the standings pretty quickly, and Columbus looks like shit. The Jackets have a lot more talent, but this sort of what's going on there the last two or three years looks like early onset Buffalo Sabre syndrome to me. It is like a total, like they have not had the same team for even like two consecutive years. Like, I feel like there's got to be a real good stat about like how many players they have not been able to retain over the last like four years or something. And that playoff series they had against the Caps, they were a good team. They won the first two games of that series handedly. You know, I know both of them were in overtime, I believe, but still, I mean, they were right there with the Caps. And then obviously, you know, what they did to the Bolts, you know, sweeping the, the best team in regular season NHL history. So uh, yeah, it's definitely fallen hard for them and they have talented players, you know, Seth Jones, I think Alex Texier is great, you know, Zach Wierenski. So I don't know what it is, but I, I hope they don't end up in the same situation that the Sabres do, because that's just, it seems like a cycle that it's just impossible to break right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. Uh, which one of y'all is next, Nick? That would be me. So my up team is going to be the Caps. They're 9-1-0 in their last 10. They look solid. Gotta love that. Uh, I know I picked OV for my first liner, and now I'm picking the Caps, but suck it. I don't care. Uh, a down team is going to be the Chicago Blackhawks. They're 3-7-0 in their last 10, and they've slipped out of playoff contention. They're now fifth in the Central. So this was a team that I thought was actually playing some damn good hockey, Earlier this year, obviously, Kevin Lankinen, I think, is their goaltender. He's come in, and he looks fantastic. And guess who's back? Kirby Doc. Yes. They play um, Carolina tonight. And I, I, I'm – it's an 8 o'clock game. This doesn't really have anything to do with the episode, but I'm, like, teeter-tottering. Carolina's got their backup in. Uh, I can't I can't. Nadelkovic? Yeah. yeah. How the fuck can you pronounce that? Jesus. I looked at that name. I was like, what? Um <laughs> Is he any good? I don't know anything about him. He's not bad. He won a He's Calder Cup, I think. Year. I think he had a shutout the other day. Yeah, I run a hockey podcast, you can tell. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of teeter-tottering on that game. I really like the Canes because they just beat Tampa. Chicago's cold, but... You know. I like, And I don't honestly think Chicago's that bad. I know we shit on them a lot at the beginning of the year, but like similar to what they did last year when they had to go up against Edmonton in the playoffs, I don't think they're that much of like a, you know, pushover team they're pesky they're annoying and they can hurt you in a lot of ways if they can hang around at least where they're at right now in fifth place for the next like week or two until kirby can really get his like wheels underneath him look out because i feel like they could make a real big push and and snag that fourth spot and I, i hope they do i'd like to see them in the playoffs yeah yeah and their reverse retro jerseys Ugh, they are just so beautiful also worth noting, because I think a lot of people forget this, Jonathan Taves has been out the whole season. I know. I don't think that he's coming back anytime so. soon. So no. um, that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, Mac, why don't you uh, lead us off here? Well, I'm sure you'll be very pleased to hear me say that my up team is actually the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, yeah, they're hot. They just absolutely handled the aisles two games in a row. They are climbing the standings very quickly. Um, I feel like you could literally put penguins above Homer Simpson and like the caps in the backseat of the Flanders car as well. And that'd be an accurate meme too. Cause I feel like the penguins are coming for us, but 
right every on year, schedule. It just every seems year. like early on in the season, there's always like, ah, shit, the Penguins, this is going to be the year where they finally miss the playoffs and like have a big garage sale at the trade deadline. And then nope. like, nope, about you know, a month left in the regular season. Suddenly they're just in like second place and it's fine. Nobody's worried anymore, but yeah, they're a good yep. team. It's just like the Patriots. It's infuriating. And uh, as Harry informed me, they've basically been playing with like their AHL team for the last like week or so. Right. To, I mean, they've got a joke. whole bunch of guys out there. One <laughs> of the, one of the Twitter accounts I follow is like, it's literally Sid, Gensel, Rust, Dumoulin, Latang, And then now we don't even have Jari. So basically to Smith and then the entire like, ECHL wheeling nailers of 2017. What's funny is uh, when I saw this guy, Anthony Angelo, and he yeah, just dude. scored his, his first and his second goal in his first two NHL games. Mm, as soon good. as I saw the name Anthony Angelo, I was like, oh God, is this like one of those things where it's literally Tony D'Angelo with like a mustache? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the Penguins' yeah. newest forward, he's Anthony got like the, Angelo. The, the glasses yeah. with like the fake nose. <laughs> literally, yeah. yeah. It's like he's uh, he's really good. Yeah, we right. don't really know where he was playing before this, but... Uh... Yeah. But before you move on to your uh, down team, I just want to say Jared McCann is playing the best hockey that I've seen him play in a Penns uniform. Uh and the, we just got Zucker back last night, so that helps. We're still missing Tanev, which definitely hurts. And so, now Jari's out too. Which Jari's out. Malkin's Malkin's be been out. Yeah, Malkin's been out. So you know, we're we're hanging in. That's all I can really ask for at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, I've been super impressed with how they've played. I mean, back to back wins against the Islanders is no no joke, especially when you don't have your uh, second best player. The sure. top three in that East Division have made it known who they are now and now we're just racing to find out who gets that fourth spot and if those three can hang on to those top three spots absolutely don't jinx it nick please and then my (laughs) trending down team i think i may have picked them last episode or the week before that but they're still trending down so the (laughs) dallas stars they're seven points out of a yoff spot right now um not a good look for a team that was in the cup final last year. I know we talked about how there can be a big hangover sometimes after years like that. And then you just miss and then it goes downhill from there. We mentioned the sharks and the predators having, having trouble with that in past seasons, but I don't know. I mean, I expected more from this Dallas team. They're so hit or miss, right? I mean, you never know if they're going to lose like three to nothing or win like six to two. Like it's just, this team is, is super hard to put a finger on. Uh, but I really have a tough time believing that they're going to make the playoffs in that division at this point. I, I can't see it at this I point. It's, it's, it's too much. The injuries and everything else that's been wrong with them. It just happened for too long. And yeah, were and this Tyler 80- Sagan, I don't know if that, if he's coming back anytime soon or if that was only going to be, if they made the playoffs or what, but it, it's a or like what condition he's going to be in. Like, you know, if this was an 82 game season, who knows? Maybe they yeah. could sneak in wild card spot, but it's not. And that's just, you know, the way it goes. So. It's crazy to think too, that like, if this was a regular season, the playoffs would be starting in like a week and a half. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like this would be like, we'd, we'd be about to start the final week of the season if this yep. was a normal year. So it's, it's weird having the weather get nicer and you're like, Oh, it should like smell. You walk outside and you're like, smells yeah. like there's a playoff hockey game today. Right. And there's not yet, but so I, I should be very, very stressed out and about to throw up, but I'm <laughs> literally, not right yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like a game five caps Rangers at MSG kind of night. Yeah, oh, exactly. Boy. Yeah. You know, that'll be fun. Um, 
All right. I think that about wraps it up for us. Do you guys have any final notes, questions, concerns? I wanted to share a stat that Dean sent to me. And Harry, you're going to love this. Sidney okay. Crosby has more multi-point games in his career than he does games with zero points. That's absolutely insane. And that's the first crazy. thing I thought of that made me go, wow, that's pretty impressive, is how long Sid's had injuries for. Yeah. Wow. True. That's crazy. But it they only must... counts games he's played in, obviously, right? But still, I mean, if he's yeah, got a nagging right. injury or something and he's sure. not feeling 100%, gets no points, then wow, yeah. that's impressive. That's crazy. I'm sure they said that on the Long Island broadcast as we kicked your ass for two games in a row, Dean. So thank you for that. <laughs> I think he also has more points against the Islanders than any other team in his career. So, you know, there's that too. Did you guys, I, that reminds me of one more thing. I think it was like TSN or someone shared a list. It was like franchise point leaders, like against each team. And it was just like, Sid Ovi, Sid Ovi, Sid Ovi, Sid Ovi, oh, Ovi yeah. Joe Thornton, Sid Ovi, Sid Ovi. It's like it's like Sid against the Flyers oh. and Islanders, and Ovi against the Thrashers, and probably like it, the Devils. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. He owned the Panthers. Just oh, that's yeah. true. Owned the South, them. That's South. I think he does division. pretty good about against the Bruins too, because he lights up Tuukka Rask for and some reason. I think he has the Leafs too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, one last stat, because uh, I just remember this when you said stat. Connor McDavid has 63 points through 36 games so far this season. That is the most since the 87-88 season where Wayne Gretzky had 81. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, I saw that earlier. It's fucking crazy. We've had prime Ovi. We've had prime Sid. We've had prime Yager. We've had prime Lemieux. We've had prime Sakic. I mean, I'm listing guys that are, you know, first, 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 first ballot Hall of Famers, and it's it's McDavid. So I feel like this season is just like the kind of hockey he's like, he's living his best life right now. Literally. It's it's nuts. That North Division is made for him with all the goal scoring and high-flying offense. So, yeah. Uh, Mac? Anything else? I'm all good. You're all good. Nick? No. Well, we want to just say thank you to Jerry again for coming on. That uh, that really was cool for us, so we appreciate his time. Go check out our sponsors, Maryland Mortgage Wiz. Hit up Dave on Instagram if you're in the Maryland area looking for a house or whatever the other states you listed. I can't remember. Delaware and Florida. There you go. Uh, and go check out Brackish Life. Visor looks good. Fishing season is going to be here soon. Lay off the sunburn and get yourself a UV shirt. And other than that, that'll wrap it up for episode 69. Nice. Nice. Thank you. (laughs) And without further ado, class dismissed.